Hey, everybody, it's Ben Kwam, co-host of hopefully your favorite podcast, Libations for Everyone. Today's episode is sponsored by Foundry Nation. Foundry Nation loves THC. Born in Minnesota, they partner with farms throughout the Midwest to supply high-quality seed-to-table THC products. Uh, I've tried their sodas such as Orange Tangy, Strawberry Fields, and Granddaddy Purple. They're incredible. I love them. They're fantastic. Great CBD treats for dogs. They have all kinds of stuff. It's amazing. As our partner, they're offering all of our listeners an exclusive 20% off with the code LIBATIONS20, capital L-I-B-A-T-I-O-N-S-2-0. The future is dope. Thank you so much. Now, let's get on with the show. Dude, what's up, man? Gentlemen, how we doing? <laughs> it worked, Billy. I love it. Yeah, success, here, man. <laughs> I, this is a this is a triumph of technology. Yes, monkeys versus technology. I <laughs> yeah. just, I was just like my uh, my Augustine's Twitter account just got hacked. No, yeah. So I was like, I just I I'll get into it later, but I, I just came back from kind of being outdoors and. It got in off my motorcycle, and I'm like, all right, yeah, let's do it, man. And then it's like, uh, your Twitter password, blah, blah, blah. It was like something that started with an M. I'm like, that doesn't sound good, man. <laughs> funny, funny stuff. So I have no idea what to do with that. But it's funny because they just contacted me about the blue chick thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, dude, me they too. They want that $11, $11 a month. That little $11 Elon. Got to make that money Yeah, because oh, if there's one thing we know, it's he's hurting financially. Yeah, Elon with his oh his baby mamas. He's like, shit, I got some pampers to buy. He's, <laughs> he's letting the hackers see who doesn't have two step verification. Yeah, <laughs> that's literally what it is Dude, now. It's so that bad. Two step shit is no joke. Multiple right. devices and yeah. Anyway, sexy stuff. How you doing, Ken? You, you're over in um, Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah, we're over in Minneapolis. Yeah, we got our first sniff of spring right now. Yeah. It's nice, eh? We got forty. Yeah, it's forty. Yeah. <laughs> it's forty. It's a heat wave. I'll take it. <laughs> we had um, <laughs> this is the eighth, the eighth snowiest winter on record for us. Oh, shit. So right. really, it's just we have so much snow left to melt that we want this to is try. The eighth it. snowiest yeah. ever of all time. Ever. Yeah. So you guys got really smacked this year. Yeah, I got in my backyard, like where our lawnmower is. We have a, a shed, and the snowdrift is about four and a half feet tall against it what the fuck yeah let it melt damn bro it's weird yeah you get a little it's funny you leave the country and you like lose your whole bearing on stuff i see little it's so funny i saw one of the guys from the sopranos no it was from uh bronx tale the guy chaz Chaz palmetero yeah i saw him on social media he's like why the why the fuck do i live here (laughs) and i'm like Everyone's like, because you belong in Florida with every other Italian-American at your age. It was, it was, it was funny. But I, I was like, God, dude, is it, it snow again? It looks fucking yeah. pretty white. Yeah. It's um, – so uh, side note, Chaz Palminteri, there's a musical version of A Bronx Tale, which <laughs> – I, I mean, bless all the actors involved. They're all, they're working actors. I'm very happy with them. It is quite possibly one of the worst things I've ever seen. That movie did not need songs explaining the plot by any means. But 
there's a, a Chaz Palminteri voiceover that goes through the whole thing. And, oh, then at the, and then at the end of the show, he just walks out. Like he's just been standing back there with a microphone, like the Wizard of Oz, just reading through his spiel. I'm like, we're not even going to use him on stage. You're just going to have him backstage. It's so weird to me. It's <laughs> cost extra. Man. Oh, shit. I guess, yeah, man, there's not a lot of gangster films going on right now. Chaz is trying to figure out he's diversifying. Right? He's trying to roll with the punches in this uh, AI world. Trying, trying to make to- that musical money. <laughs> Dipping his toe in the water. <laughs> uh, hey, Billy, how's the audio on our, your end? Can you hear us? Decent? Yeah, I've got pretty much um, good old like AirPod. Yeah, you know audio, so I'm good. I always, you know, I, it's funny. I've done this before, and I, I'm always wary. Like, I see dudes on online and stuff, and they're talking with their pods in, and I'm like, shit, sounds good. Yeah, but it doesn't. I don't. I, I guess I'm just I'm distrustful. Sure, I feel like. But if it sounds good to you, like it shouldn't work, but it does work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 All right. Well, th- well this is our, uh, yeah. like this setup specifically, this is our first time doing this. So okay. we're really excited to kind of have this as a way of figuring it out. But I can hear everything perfectly through my headphones. You sound great. So Lovely. I think this is, you this is working awesome. Too. Right on. Yeah. Um, how, how is Geneva? Geneva's a trip, man. Yeah. It's, 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 it's <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack. Uh, Geneva's wild. And, it's really strange coming from Geneva by way of Australia, by way of Indonesia, by way of <laughs> Ireland, by way of Canada, by way of California. Yeah, you haven't you haven't. So had it much makes it especially. It's like it's, it's yeah. like a big outro. This long, beautiful. I've, I've arrived at this. It's almost like Footloose. There's like no bands. It's like yeah, kind of khaki pants. Um, good. It's like good humans. Like. It's it's like a it's like a place without trauma. It's sure. Like no punk. It's no neck tats. There's no gangsters. No low riders. Well, know, there's no. Hard- <laughs> I I feel like oh, wait. I feel like we're doing this backwards. I feel, I feel okay, like we, we should. I up. feel like we should introduce our guest to everybody first, okay. and then I have to ask you directly about that that wild through line of where you've been. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. if you'd be kind enough to introduce yourself to our listeners yeah. and how they they may know you slash have come across you, let's start there. Okay, man. Um, well, my name is Billy McCarthy. I'm a, I'm a singer and a songwriter and a band guy. Um, and people would probably know me through a couple of my bands, Augustine's and Pela. Yeah. And I've long been creative guy on the, on the side when I wasn't doing that. And now I've been for the past six years, I've been on my solo journey doing kind of everything I can get my hands on from travel to records, to books and film and all that stuff. So I've been, doing living a kind of a creative life um and but you'd probably know me from the band stuff um also you missed the most important step which is my birthday twin so clearly we- oh yeah yeah <laughs> you're my birthday twin bro. and my, my irish drinking buddy. yes exactly um well so that was that was honestly one of the biggest questions that i wanted to ask you i've been to geneva a few times and okay. one of the things that i also noticed was that it didn't feel like music was a part of of that culture there at all like yeah. there but it, there is music but it usually comes with like later hosen and like throwback um you know a simpler t- <laughs> exactly you know or or the sounds of clocks there's lots of singing yeah, clocks but these you, guys know a clock man they right. know their way around a clock but you came from you came from a place that at my first trip to to ireland 
yeah. you came from a place where I felt the exact opposite. I don't think I've ever been anywhere outside of maybe Nashville where mm-hmm. music is more interwoven into every single bit of, yeah. of life. How yeah. has the, as, as a creative, as a musician, how has that yeah. been to go from one extreme to the other with Indonesia and Australia yeah. in between? Bro, it's so funny. We had a little, a little break while you guys were getting set up and I was thinking about how to, <laughs> how to talk about this. Like it, it's, it's, it's quite strange. Like uh, I now, after being a road dog and touring and traveling and all that stuff for so long now, I actually, I know it sounds corny, um, but I actually, I carry the music in my heart. Oh, yeah. I, I, I carry, I carry the music inside. Like I don't, um, mm. And I carry the the art. And I saw a little. I just actually we'll get into this later. But I just went swimming. Actually, it's March. I just went swimming in the lake, and I just got back on my motorcycle in a wetsuit and getting back here and talking to you. I'm sorry, but that, I saw that mental picture saw, is amazing, <laughs> bro. It's it's it was raining and there was actually a rainbow, dude. It was <laughs> bananas. But I get I would get down to the lake and I look over and there's like this little tiny Banksy looking kind of graffiti thing. Mm like on the on this uh pier that some kid had thrown up or somebody had thrown up and i was sort of like when you see graffiti in a place that's not a graffiti place you're kind of like how'd you go and do that for it's a nice place <laughs> you know like uh you know, it's so i guess i i'm actually really marveling on it because uh it's it almost that it doesn't need it if that makes sense i just like probably what two nights ago i went to a a dinner mm-hmm. with some swiss folks um people that i met through through music stuff and um it was ridiculous bro gruyere like the cheese game is literally the best i think in the world um it's bananas and you're like eating it you're like i'm i don't know anything i'm i'm a caveman and they have this like this sort of like almost it's like this blade this circular blade that goes around this and it makes these shavings looks like a petunia like you'd see in a a bad Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I love that shit. It looks so cool. It's so you, the one, so the one you saw was like a really big one because they got like a really, yeah, little well, tiny ones and then just gigantic ones for huge wheels of cheese. Well, that's the cool thing about getting older, man. Is people know their shit. Yeah. yeah. So I'm sitting down. I'm like, so okay. So I do a little cooking myself. I'm 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 not very good, but uh, I I made a French onion soup the other oh, day and I, I caramelized the the onions and got it down and started and I was basically like shit when it comes to cheese i was always a broke musician so i'm not <laughs> trying to go out and spend money on brie dude and uh, buffalo mutts and all that so i was like i don't know what kind of cheese to put on this and when i get to the party i like drop that like at dinner i'm like yeah you know so uh <laughs> what kind of cheese do i put on a french onion soup and like unanimously all all like uh unison they're like Gruyere. Yeah. i'm like oh cl- clearly yeah that was my first guess but, uh, <laughs> that's what uh, i was thinking i just wanted to see if we were on the same level maybe you have an interesting <laughs> answer alternative maybe you know yeah, Billy, real talk that was my my first experience where i made a meal for somebody that wasn't related to me that i i cared about was in mm. college and my roommate uh uh johnny from communist daughter 
Um, John's John's mom was was quite the chef, and so it was his ah. idea. And so I did exactly that. I just asked leading questions the entire time, like, yeah, hey, uh, how do you how do you think we should cut this chicken for the scratch chicken Alfredo? He's like, we should julienne it. I'm like, so at like, uh, and he's like, yeah, like a like a 45 degree angle. I'm like, yep, that's exactly what I was thinking. That's, that's where I was going with it. Yeah. <laughs> the whole time, that was all I did, and I was just like screaming on the inside with nerves because I thought I was going to screw it up, and then it turns out cooking is not really that scary. It's actually kind of fun and very therapeutic. It's actually super fun, and I fail a lot, dude. But I'm like kind of – so here's what's going on. As, I, as the years tick on, my, my reading glasses game is really – it's really happening, man. Like I can't see shit now. It used to be kind of optional. <laughs> yeah. I, know, I find myself like closing like one, one uh-huh. eye kind of like – you know, like, <laughs> like you've been drinking like all day. Just like – <laughs> So when I'm out shopping, I've, I've got that going on. Like because like I don't, I'm not doing the like – but on the little cords around your neck. I'm not, uh-huh. I'm not ready for that. Uh-huh. So I do the. <laughs> so I put them on, but then I'm at a grocery store and I'm in the French speaking part of uh, Switzerland, as yeah. you probably know. And, and I'm, I'm looking at, I'm like looking at the, the back of, of boxes, like in the grocery store. And I'm like, oh, clearly it's German and French. Uh, choose your poison. I don't fucking speak either of them. And so then I get home and then I try to cook, dude. And it's like trying to do liters versus cups and, and I just freestyle, man. Yeah, that's the key, though. Once you once better you than kinda, baking, then yeah, yeah. As long as you're not baking, like that's the yeah. best part is just keep keep dipping your pinky in and trying stuff, yeah. and then you start yeah. to you know. I I feel like it, I think there's probably a reason that that music and food overlap so well culturally, and mm. it's a lot of times it's because I feel the same way when I'm creating either one is you're getting near a thing that you can hear in your head or you can taste in your head. And then it's like, Oh, what do I, what do I do? Oh, I got to switch this a little bit. And then I got to add some of that. And then eventually you hit the, the art that you have in your head. That's when you get there. And that's to me, that's like, Oh, there it goes. That's the song that I had in my head. And now I've made it in this, in this pot. Or or I've surpassed it or it's funny, man. So I've just, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I work from home, you know, like I, 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 I do uh, my own creative work. And so I've got to figure out how to like try to stay in the studio and work, you know, and like running around and shopping. I try to do it in measured distances, right? And um, it's it's wild. Like I discovered soup at long last. Like I love soup. I, it's funny. Remember MySpace? Oh, yeah. I think my, I think my tagline was like, lover of soups swimmer of lakes or something which is exactly what i did <laughs> um but it took me this long to actually jump i think i tried to gazpacho at some some point in my sure. life and i think i messed with stews yeah i did oh, some yeah. stews but I, I really did a proper carrot ginger i did a french onion and i did a, a big chicken stew yeah um all in one day so i'm like freezing it and yep yeah just kind of yeah i love that I mean, we got, yeah, it's lovely being a, being a resident of soup city myself. Mm -hmm. We, Jenny and I not only have a second refrigerator, but we also have a, a, a third freezer, a drop freezer. And that's almost half of that is stocks, soups and stews and chili and chili. There's a bunch of chili. chili. You know, it's funny, man. I'm starting to understand the stock game now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, wow, I'm getting to that place. I love it. But like, I, I have a friend of mine in England named Joe. And Joe does sourdough. And she has like these, I don't know if they're spores or organisms or like some culture sample. The starter, yeah, the the yeast. A starter. So she she gave one to me in England and I was going back to see a buddy of mine in Germany. I think I was playing out there. She's like, can you give this to Stelios? 
was like, no problem. Yeah. And like hand it off like the drop. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like the jackal. Yeah. I'm like moving through airports. Yeah. Um, it's like some international sourdough. Internationally mover. transporting organisms. I, mean, yeah. might be, I don't know if that's even above board. <laughs> that's <laughs> 12 monkey shit right there. <laughs> but it's wild. I remember one time I was in Memphis and it was, it was with the band. I think it was, it might have been Augustine's, but we went to this burger joint that had this almost like, you know, in Spain, those giant paella discs that uh-huh. they cook when they barbecue, those yeah. big things. They had one of those in a burger joint that their claim to fame was that they had the same long-running grease yep. since the 20s. And I try to tell Europeans this, and they like they don't believe me. And I actually really saw it, man. Like, it's the same just run-on sentence yeah. of grease it's from the, grease mother. the Truman years or whatever. <laughs> we have, um, we have in, in Minneapolis, we have, like, a Juicy Lucy is sort of like our – a cultural claim to fame it's a cheeseburger where you put the cheese inside the patty mm. so when you bite into it there's molten cheese inside mm. and matt's bar is often credited as the the place that created it and i've talked to the owner and he says he's like i can't even bring these home and cook them at home because this griddle is so seasoned yeah. with with wow. burger grease and and salt that they don't taste right in any other pan, it's like old steakhouse. Ah. You know, old steakhouses oh, so, just yeah. have like wow. all that seasoning on their mm-hmm. on their broilers that you can't replicate. I mean, but there is there is that tradition other places. Like when we were um, we were down, or I'm sorry, it was when we were out west when we were just leaving the cliffs of Moher in Ireland. Uh, mm-hmm. We were on our way to Galway, and we stopped at a little inn. And that was their mm. that was their 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 famous claim was that mm. they they had a, a live like sourdough batter that they were using for their fish and chips. Okay, and okay. it had been alive for twenty seven years, and wow. they just kept feeding it and they kept going with it, and that's what the 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 fish are dunked in. And I will say that you, that was one of the best fish and chips I've ever had. You know, man, I, I got you know I I feel like I don't know adults and role models and stuff were a little few and far between like in my journey as a as a late you know as a teen and early 20s and stuff but i really felt it at the swiss get, hangout the yeah. other night because it was like it wasn't like you would think it would be when we were kids growing up in america you, you think that if you went overseas if you grabbed the wrong fork people would like kind of laugh at you it's not that at all it's just that they know they're they're kind of basic stuff they know their wines they know their meats mm. um they know they just know their stuff they know yeah. their chocolates like so I don't know about you guys. You're probably way better at this than me. But when I walk through a wine store, I'm still pretty baffled. I'm good at whiskeys, though. Sure, whiskeys are good. Vodkas, I'm good. But when it comes to whisk uh, to uh, wine and stuff, I'm like, dude, I, I'm not even gonna lie. I don't know where I'm going here. Yeah, it's tough. I won't. I won't pretend like I know every bottle that I'm looking at. But I know the. I know. I know what I know. Yeah. So I know the stuff that yeah. I know. I know the producers that I know. I know the regions gotcha. and the styles that I like yeah. best, but no one, almost nobody, I won't say nobody, but almost nobody can walk into a gigantic library of wines mm. and know every single producer. You need to be a fucking pro to be able to do that. I lucked out, um, <clears throat> Billy, a couple of guys that you met when you came to Minneapolis and played. Um, if you look at, at the guys that stood next to me in my wedding and the guy that actually mm. married us in our wedding, um, mm. 
four of them are either level one or level two sommeliers. So they've gone, okay. they, they're accredited, they've gone to class, they've passed these blind tastes. And so I lucked out because I've just learned a lot through them. Um, when they were, yeah. three of them went through the class together and I was the blind proctor for the test. So mm -hmm. I got to have the answers. And so I got to basically read the cheat codes the entire time. So I'm still not great, but I'm, I'm pretty good. Mm -hmm. And what I'll tell you yeah. right now, what I'm jealous of is... Swiss Pinot Noir is some of the best Pinot okay. Noir on earth. Mm. And mm. I fell in love when I was there last time, but didn't realize because it's a harder grape to grow and it's very, very fragile, they just chose not to really put it out to the rest of the world. So they keep mm. almost all of the Pinot Noir within the borders of Switzerland. So mm. drink that shit up as much as you can. If you mm. go anywhere else, bring some with because nobody mm. will be able to get their hands yeah. on it. Never had wow. it for obvious reasons. Um, and then on the, <clears throat> on the German side, um, a lot of the really bright whites are fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely spectacular. I was drinking those the other night with the cheese, those bright whites. Yeah. And they were also mixing a little bit of, um, I think it was like freshly pureed strawberries. Sure. Kind of in it. Oh, shit. It was fantastic. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it was lovely, man. And, and it, you know, it's adorable. Like, you know, they're proud of it and, and, they, and they know their stuff. And it's, you know, I, I like our culture too. Like, I think we have some, some wonderful contributions. But it is really, I would say humbling exciting i think i'm just at this place where um i like i i always kind of when i'm doing my podcast and stuff and i speak with people i always tell them like you know you think you're not creative but you just told me a story you just told me a punchline yeah. you improvised a joke that you created that yep. man that's your gumbo that you're pulling from and i i there's so much creativity in kind of like everything that we get up to and like food is really fantastic for me because it's it's um, there's a nice solitary vibe. I, I listen to some pretty weird podcasts um, and I just kind of bop around. I fail all the time. I did a, I did not think we'd be talking about this by the way, Fred, but I love it. So you, you know, your food and drink and stuff. So it's, it's fair game, but I made a, um, what did I make last night? I did a limone. Oh, shake. Sure. So I did a pasta limone yep. and I'm like, I think, I'm like, I'm just not challenging enough. I want to do a bake. So I like mm. baked it, dude. And it came with you know, breadcrumbs and stuff. Yeah. It came out great. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Dope. Yeah, it was legit. But I didn't know, do you put the limone, like the shavings in before you cook it or after? So there's some like kind of probably some fundamentals that both. I don't know. Yeah, I was I honestly, <laughs> I would say both because if you do it, yeah. if you do it before the bake, then what you get is the sweet caramelization. And mm. then if you do it at the end, then you also have like the sharp citrus. You get some different characteristics, yeah. yeah. And with those characteristics, is juice too aggressive? Like to squeeze a lemon, or do you just squeeze it? I mean, the problem is that lemons are so different when it when it comes to the acidity. Sometimes you have to like yeah. try it first and see. You know, if you have one that's got a little bit more sweetness to it, almost in the the sense of like a Meyer, then you you can maybe be a little bit more liberal. But for me, yeah. every now and then, especially in Minnesota, we'll get we'll get vinegar bombs, and then oh, you, yeah. you, know, you run the risk of ruining your dish. So yeah. like using yeah. other parts the of the minute. lemon as well, so using the zest, and then possibly even like roasting the remainder of the lemon yeah. alongside the dish, and then having the roasted lemon that you could squeeze on. That's the that's the key right there, actually. Charles, you are correct. That, that's what I would do. I, it, I was doing some reading today about cooking fish on lemon yeah. wedges right so it doesn't fall apart i'm not a big fish guy but i thought that mm. was very interesting that, that they're that hardy if you can lemon. find like 
you know when like three chords really sound well together like you hear it in a song yeah. and you just know you're gonna like that yeah. song the 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 triangle of like a salty hard cheese like a like a parmesan lemon mm-hmm. with heat and then like a little bit of garlic which can also get sweeter as it roasts those mm. three together i kind of like that in anything so if it's a pasta yeah. if it's a, a a fish and i will i will commit the sin of i do enjoy a little bit of parmesan on a fish um, Ooh, like, hey, oh, you're not supposed to. I know, I know. You're not supposed to. So fun. They get really weird about that in Brooklyn, yeah. man. Like, what are you doing, bro? Are you hey, get it out of there. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> I'm, I know. I know. God, well, I make a lot of mistakes out there in the field. <laughs> That's the best but, part. You know, I, That's how we learn. You win or you learn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, even going back to your time, like, busking before the bands, it's not like you just, like, attempted a bunch of cover songs once, and then you're like, oh, I know how to do that. Like you, you have to screw up the songs. You have to think a song is going to work and people are going to care and nobody cares. I mean, I can't tell you to this day, it's still one of my favorite things is when either in stand up or in a band, when I play a song that doesn't work or I say a joke that doesn't work, Mm -hmm. I think it's hilarious when it fails because it's like, I really truly believe that this was going to work and then it didn't work. (laughs) And it's like, it's almost just the perfect refutation of what I think people will like it's a good it's a good humbling reminder but yeah. you got to just lean into it and giggle otherwise you know, what are you doing it requires humility too because you have to yeah. accept it you have to yeah, be like that's all right great point i'm okay with fucking yeah that. um it's like icarus man i got too close yeah. to the sun yeah. on right. that one I, <laughs> um, I, we'll hit this at the end again but i do want to say that you just mentioned your podcast if people want to follow along online with with your musical journey your podcast journey your creative I kind of want to hit them twice with it. So how would you like people yeah. to interact with you? You know, I'll tell you something, man. So I have, I am nearly at a hundred podcasts, right? So I think it's called Onward with William McCarthy. Yeah. But what I've done is I've decided it's, it's funny that we're, we're talking because there's a short story. Basically I've started another podcast, but I've realized mm-hmm. with my traveling ways, I don't want to, and with algorithms and you know, how long Spotify takes to post like the podcast um you and i were talking about a bit of this stuff when we saw mm-hmm. each other i i um i started a new podcast and i'm just trying to kind of accumulate a sort of like a a, a stockpile of of episodes sure. so if i do have to travel that they're hitting right on the right time sure. what happened was i was just basically i've been writing stories since high school right and uh and I never shared them because, frankly, there wasn't really a platform. You know, like back in the MySpace days, it's not like you'd be yeah. like, "Hey, gang, check out my story about the custodian in high school." I mean, yeah. so um, they just accumulated, and I, I started doing. I started a Patreon um, 2017, mm-hmm. like January. So it was a long time ago, and I, I didn't realize at the time that it would give me a great place to like write stories. And I was just in Australia doing some shows and i just printed these bad boys up i have literally 870 pages of stories that's a tome dude it's like the new testament i got like i got it's crazy it's like tolstoy war and peace so um so it's called the new testament of william mccarthy (laughs) so basically yeah i just I, i i i wrote i did a book i think in 2019 and uh I really, really enjoy writing. It, it, it's sort of like, I think that what it served is it served a place to co- kind of go blow off some steam when the songs were taking a little bit of time. Yeah. You know, like it takes a while, as you know, Ben, like it takes some time to 
to write a tune and like it was just another place to keep it kind of flowing um and it just really accumulated so i went up and i was up in canada in the north in north manitoba in like october and i was speaking at these high schools and stuff and i just i met all these like teenagers and i was thinking like man some of these stories are really they really got some insight into just observations of growing and and hard, some hard stuff some beautiful stuff and i was just thinking man I, I really should put stuff out like i think i think these guys would really enjoy it so since then i've just really been you know like yeah doing i think i've done like three episodes so far and you know figuring it out figure yeah. out how to the format like how to do it like I, I i i would love to interview people but it's really hard to get people to not be flaky and to, you know what I mean? I mean, this is this is episode eighty, so we we know a little something about that. <laughs> yeah, man. And I I know that. How, so when did you guys start this? Uh, we started it a few months after COVID hit. July okay. July yeah, twenty nineteen. July of uh, 2020. 2020. 2020. Yeah, July twenty twenty. Oh, was, so you've really been grinding. That's yeah. a good amount of episodes. And I mean, we used to. Do you remember that the the hall that you played at when you were here, that old yeah. John F. Kennedy Auditorium? So that was where we recorded, and we set up. You know, because this is in the middle of like the social distancing, so we set up three banquet tables, uh, mm. eight foot banquet tables, and we all just sat very far away from each other, <laughs> staring at each mm. other just so we could feel like we were in the same room with people again. And That's great. Man. It brought people back together. And now we've talked about it probably more than just about anything else in the show, how great it's been for both of our lives to just continue mm. to, to talk to people and hear their stories and hear who they are and the commonalities that we have kind of across absolutely backgrounds right. and, and childhoods and all of that. Like no matter how disparate we are, there's a lot of things that we have in common. Indeed, man. Well, you're a lovely guy to do it, Ben. Like every time I've hung out with you, we've had some really fantastic rolling, weeping, yeah. you know, <laughs> weaving and winding chats, man. You're you're a fantastic conversationalist. Remember when those Irish people sat down next to us and started taking the piss out of us a little bit? Because we were the, the they they, they, up in the club. He told, and, he told uh, that story on the podcast yeah, like a they, month ago. They knew we were so, American because they could tell by our teeth. Yeah, for some reason. <laughs> And they're like, you're big lads. We're like, right. look like linemen. <laughs> Hilarious. And then they, they, we really captured their yeah. the, the the hearts of a people. You want them like over. By the end, they, yeah. You want them over. It was that was one of the <laughs> best. That was one of the best tag team conversations I think I've ever had with a human <laughs> okay. being. We got, Billy and we I were just, we were going to make sure that everybody no, was our friend by the end of the night. <laughs> well, hey, let's cheers and get into our topics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here Dejour. we go. Hey, cheers. Cheers to you. Cheers, brother. Should I be grab? Should I get a drink for this? Yeah, like, get a drink. A, yeah, yeah, you, you yeah okay. Get a Let's drink. See what I got. <laughs> All right. Pause. Pause. Yeah, for you got it. Man. Yeah. All right. So, All right. Let me. Uh, let me just say. The legs on this, the last time I took a sip, it didn't do it this time. But the last time I took a sip, it looked like a death metal logo. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit. I think part of it is probably because this glass is, or the, 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 the plastic cup is on a molecular level, like, smoother. But uh, it's also oh, a little there bit. There goes. A little bit. Yeah, there look you go. It, look it, look oh, there it, it is. It. What's it say? What's that death metal logo? It says leather couch from 1984. <laughs> it says crusty with a K. Crusty with a K. <laughs> So we're drinking the uh, Suntory World Whiskey Ayo. Hey, the, the Scott, Scott Hall, Hall edition. edition. 
Quan brought this bottle on a couple months ago. I actually, I brought it home. Um, I bought this the morning after going out drinking with Billy in Dublin. Yes. I bought this bottle and I snuck when it home. When you couldn't get it here. When you couldn't get it here. And then they just fucking released it at Costco. Bastards. Bastards. And then the other bottle we have um, on our side of the pond is uh, I brought Fernet Bronco. We're recording this during the day. Yeah. So I was like, what do I want to drink while the sun is bearing down on us through the windows here at uh, the, f- the classy confines of Club Caraway? And I was like, I think Fernet Branca sounds like it'll do the trick today. Well, and and uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, much like Billy, Billy was talking about doing the conversions of um, liters and milliliters to cups, et cetera, yeah. trying to do like as we're talking about having more guests from around the world on, yeah. trying to do the math of when both people can drink and it's not too fucked up yeah. is very strange like my brain broke a little bit billy we're uh, we're gonna have somebody on in the next couple months that's in seoul south korea and okay. literally thinking that okay he's a day in the future for me right now and trying to do that my brain just was like you know what I do. we're gonna take I a we're gonna take a break on that i don't want to i don't want to think about that right i know it man it's it's wild i'm getting used to it i have a I have some Australian friends, man. Europe to Australia is gnarly. Like, yeah. basically, dude calls me. One of my, he's a songwriter, <laughs> old old friend. Aaron calls me at like nine at night, and he's on the beer, bro, and I'm on the coffee yeah. at that time. Yeah. So he's just like, yeah, let loose, you know. And I'm kind of like, just get my list out of what I got to do today. <laughs> Their weird conversations, funny though. All right. So what yeah. are we drinking to? Uh, we're drinking to to having you on the show. Uh, I feel like I, I just have to say that um, it, it's weird because I, I've had to say this one other time in the show. Like you're a friend in one category, and then I'm also just a fan of you as an artist in another category. So I'm just going to tell all of our listeners that I am very biased when it comes to Billy's music, and I am a massive fan. So I don't give a fuck if you think I'm overselling it. It's awesome. And then we'll leave it at that. And also, let's drink That's to awesome, our bro. first uh, international Yeah, this recording. is our first international episode. First international recording. Oh, nice one. Yep. Nice one, dude. So here, let me yeah. uh, pour a little more A.O. Yeah. Hey, cheers. Yeah. Cheers, guys. It's nice to see you doing so well, and I'm glad you're having some sunshine over there in Minneapolis. Yeah, bro. we got a little sun today. We got a little sun today. Okay. Billy, topic number one. Okay. So everyone's got one. What is your daily beverage routine? That's a great question. <laughs> Well, something strange is happening here when there's something strange and you don't know what. Um, in Switzerland, Coca-Cola is more expensive than beer. Wow. <laughs> so you can get a big, blonde, Swiss, gnarly, really boozy beer and for 350 and a Coca-Cola is like 450 Wow. Crazy. And wow. the other day, so I'm, you know, I'm here People for can hate. They can, they can hate all <laughs> they want. But I, I like Starbucks. Why? Because I'm a traveling man, and when I'm on the road and stuff, before Starbucks, it was like Denny's coffee, you know, like out in Texarkana. You'd just yeah. be like, fucked. But, you know, it's it's kind of brutal uh, that Starbucks, you know, it is what it is. But, like, I, I still drink it overseas because – the espresso ones, the, the Americano, it's just basically a shot with a ton of hot water in it. It just something's weird. The body of it isn't there for me. Like, sure. So I still go to Starbucks. And a Starbucks coffee here is $7.90. Wow. Like a black coffee. Yeah. Right? Black coffee, right? Oh, boy. Wow. So 
which it's is intense. a trip. But then a bag of coffee, like like a bag, is nine bucks. Yep. Yeah. So it's a dollar more for a bag. So my MO when I wake up is like, okay, coffee o'clock. Where am I getting my coffee? I'm not like Jonesy and crappy. Some people just aren't human until they get it. But like it's for me, I'm a um I'm a real visualizer of I have to kind of visualize everything. Uh okay, I'm doing this. All right, when I get there, I'm gonna stand in line. Okay, I'll get there. So I'll need to bring this, my keys. It's raining. Okay, jacket, riding the motorcycle. Where do I park? Is there parking there? It's gonna be in French. Like I have to kind of visualize my day. I think coffee really is just an excuse to kind of go do that. So that's <laughs> mm-hmm. that's that's my bevy there. Um I then I like to have a beer at night. I usually have two of them. Um I would say I'd say four nights a week, you know. Mm-hmm. Um in band life, I God, I really like Jameson, but it's not good for frequent drinking. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I I ended up what was the stuff I um I like I like Stoli vodka mm. on the rocks with uh with a couple wedges of lime, kind of sure. like a okay. gimlet without the bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I uh I agree Three fingers. with <laughs> of course. I yeah. um I agree with you with the the coffee thing. So my my deal is I I won't get out of bed until I finish the water that I brought to bed the night before. So I have this giant Good. guy, right? And so whatever I didn't drink the, the big, night before, the big yeti tumbler, the big yeti tumbler, uh, that has to be done, and I have to read some form of news. Like it can't be opinion. I have to actually like mm. read what's going on. And that's my way of like, okay, the world is bigger than me. I've done that. I've done something healthy for myself. Cool. When I do shower and espresso, we don't have a coffee maker, but we do have an espresso maker mm. in our house. You go so, espresso. Yeah. So I get out of the shower and then that's when I hit the espresso. And that's when I'm giving myself permission to go start my day. It's okay. And, and with, with your espresso, are you putting any milk or cream in it? I've Just always, black. I'm very, very attracted to bitter flavors. It's actually one of the things ah. that Charles and I have overlapped on. I don't, I, I enjoy coffee with milk. I, I think I, I get why people Respect drink it. Respect the lifestyle. Yeah. And if somebody gives me one, I'm not going to be like, ew. But for myself, I will always drink black coffee, black espresso, uh, uh, cold pressed coffee, black. I, 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 I like iced coffee black. Not a lot of things are very bitter. I don't, I'm not really attracted to sweet things. So it's just mm. that, that urge isn't there. However, the, what the fuck is up Denny's? Like the hot pot, that, <laughs> the pot that's had some coffee in it for the better part of 20 years. That's it's accurate the minute degrees. they make it. <laughs> that I will. The only thing you can do is dump fat and sugar into it to make that salvageable. You're also cooling it down because it's 300 degrees. Yeah. I, uh, Billy, I know that you were just recently at a funeral. Uh, I was at a funeral yeah. on, uh, a few days ago. And that Midwestern funeral coffee is in the pantheon of the worst coffees on earth. Uh, <laughs> and so that is a sugar and cream uh, hit, it, hit it hard. Yeah, and then if it's coming out of the fuselage, you yeah, know it's going to be exactly. pretty gnarly. So, and then my my goal is every day I try to drink over a gallon of water. So my Yeti comes with me everywhere, no matter what. And then at night, it used to be I would pour either a glass of wine or a spirit, usually on a rock, and then that was my chill out. But as we have uh, legalized uh, THC drinks here in yeah. Minnesota, and I am now a minority partner in a company that makes those, um, that's Hell been yeah. yeah, that's been my switch. So uh, I'll pour up uh, 
like a no can for you, buddy. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Um, and I'll pour a can or maybe two, depending on what time my wife is going to bed versus what time I want to go to bed. And then I just slowly sip that. So it's Mm. like, uh, like a, a very slow intake of some THC. And what it does is it releases my shoulders out and it chills me out. And the 18 other browser windows that are always going in my brain all get hidden. (laughs) And then I can usually focus on something and I'll either read or I'll watch a documentary or something. And by the end of that, I'm, I'm ready for bed. Yeah. And it's been. How about you, Charles? Yeah. What's your deal? What's your lineup? My first thing I do every morning is drink a gigantic glass of water. I drink water very quickly, just like the way I eat. So I pound a giant glass of cold water. It's also good for you. It burns Mm. calories. You can burn up to 20 calories when you first wake up if you drink a giant glass of ice cold water because it shocks your body. Mm. I wait. I wait almost every morning. Not always, but almost every morning. I'd say six out of seven days. I wait at least an hour to start drinking coffee because it allows your cortisol levels to get to a normal point. Mm. Because they're peaked when you wake up. Because as an animal, if you're shaken awake, your cortisol is is increased. And then you can have anxiety from adding caffeine to that. So I like to wait a little while so I can um, enjoy my coffee without having like the induced stress of having too much cortisol in my system. I do Chemex at my house uh, in the cold months. So we do the hot pour over. Um, I buy coffees from all over the world through fellow drops. So I always have really good beans on hand. And in the summer, cool. so I'm, I'm bi-seasonal. So in the summer, I'm doing cold press black. In the winter, I'm doing uh, Chemex pour over black. Then the next step when I'm done with my coffee is I'll drink one can uh, beverage of like LaCroix per day. I just, I, I like it, but I just like, I to have, like to have one. And I drink uh, lots and lots of water. Like throughout what the, flavor LaCroix? The rest of the day. I just want whatever flavor I haven't had in a while. Cause I don't really care that much. You know, I'm just like, eh, whatever, what have I, so for, what haven't I had for folks in the overseas who are asking what LaCroix is, mm. we used to snicker at it a little bit. Cause it's like, yeah, it's kind of like not very well-known <laughs> kind of supermarket brand, low budget, yeah. right. uh, flavored carbonated water, carbonated right? Water, like, yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, so, very faint flavor, though. Un, it's very un-American in its l- complete absence of sugar or actual f- puree. It's like an aroma with a little hint of a taste. Yes. So, yeah, it's like a sparkling water. But you know what's funny? Charles is like, I went over to Eric's studio, my Augustine's bro, and he's like, hey, man. He, Eric's thing is when you go to the studio to work, he likes to offer you like it's something to drink, right? Yeah. So it's coffee. or So he comes out, he's like, LaCroix? And we were drinking them. Actually, I think we got on them up at Peter Cadis's house, the producer. <laughs> we did a couple records with him, and he's, he had them. And Eric do a, a curveball, man. He's like, I'm like, the brown one? What is this? He's like, it's coconut, man. Yeah. You probably really like it. I tried that coconut. I love so it. people in the overseas, it, it, it sounds like it would taste like suntan lotion. Uh-uh. And it, it it's actually good. Yeah. It's ghetto, which I like. I like <laughs> ghetto things. Yeah. Very recently, so my wife doesn't like the coconut, so I almost, that's the flavor I almost never get to have, but I really enjoy it because it's borderline savory. Yeah. And very recently, <laughs> she and I were somewhere and someone was drinking a can of the coconut and they were like, it tastes like suntan lotion. I was like, you take that back, motherfucker. <laughs> There's a lot of coconut stuff that can taste suntan lotion but this ain't one of them. It tastes like coconuts. As somebody who has drank <laughs> bottles of suntan lotion, I can tell you this is no suntan lotion. Get out you of here. Liar. Oh my God, that's great. So, okay, so after the LaCroix, then where are you going at night? You know, that's, I would say that um, everything else is circumstantial. So some days I bust out my like cast iron pot and make some like really nice hojicha Japanese toasted tea. 
Um, some days we're recording the podcast. I don't know why that's so drinking. funny to me. I love that. What, Hojicha? No, Hojicha. It was the whole thing. It was the cast iron pot. The whole yeah, thing. I love it. You gotta I love everything it. about it. Love you got to temp the water properly, you know. I think it's 210 degrees for Hojicha. The right steep time. I squeeze the I squeeze out the leaves, even though you're not supposed to do that. I told someone that the other day, and they're like, "Oh, you're not supposed to do that." And I'm like, "I don't fucking care. Give want, it to me. It's got all the oils and essentials don't in it. Don't yuck baby. my young motherfucker. I want them flavors, so I do press it down. But uh, and then you know, some days, some days I'm drinking. A lot of days I don't. But if we're doing the podcast, I know I'm drinking liquor. If it's someone's birthday party, I know I'm drinking everything. Yeah. So, Depends on depends on the evening. But. I will say that this is, I think, the first time in my life that I'm looking at two people mm. who I think we would all probably be in the same, like, we could go one for one and would be fine for hours at a bar. I do have yeah. to, um, for those of you that are listening that, that haven't seen, like, all of us are pretty, like, we're larger framed men. Um, <laughs> we, we have broad shoulders <clears throat> to quote Scott. We're a uh, furry brick built people, but, uh, but it is both of you are humans that I have gone out for a night with and I didn't have to worry. Oh, do I have to start mitigating my consumption because you're falling apart? Sure. And it's very, very nice to have that experience. And I just want to call that out. Cause that is not my experience. Most times going out with people. <laughs> Yeah. So it's, it's weird, man. I, I, I prefer it this way though. Like I feel like actually being, being over here in Europe and stuff, I feel like people have access to, to drink. Their, their relationship with booze is much different. Totally. Like I know when I was, I spent a lot, one of the first places I really started busking was Spain. And I noticed that they had something called Calimocho yeah. and it's basically red wine and Coca-Cola. Yep. Right. Yeah. But but the idea so it is to get a buzz on, but it's to have the buzz go all night. Yep. So it's like this big two liter thing, and they're just kind of with it all night, and they're laughing, and people are playing bongos and bust, you yeah. know, people playing guitar in the street, and everyone's smoking cigarettes, and it's a it's about a like a, a the long haul of yeah. the evening, and where I feel like we're doing like keg stands and boxing. You know what's fucked up about parties. That? And, you know what's fucked up about that drink if you make it in Geneva is you'll make it more expensive and weaker when you add Coca-Cola. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> you, you, gotta, you gotta come up with a new name for it and it's just red wine, but you gotta call it that cocktail. <laughs> but I think I think that my musician life, I didn't drink till my probably my mid to late twenties. I was I used to smoke a lot of pot growing up in Cali. Um and it was I just booze was kind of weird like people you know because some people couldn't hold their drink very well and like you know people would kind of get slurry and mm. people would be bumping into walls you couldn't drive like it was kind of restrictive actually plus yeah. being a young kind of broke dude in a bar i mean some people live in cool cities i didn't i lived in kind of a janky shitty place so the bars were full of like just like bros hat backwards just like headbutting shit and a little rage (laughs) you're just like you don't want to drink with those guys dude it's so but then you go to ireland and um it's some some kind of reverse funhouse mirror happens to where it's almost like holding it together like it it is is sort of your your it's like dignified yep. to be able to drink all night and yeah. have a good time. But like, if you start slurring and getting all silly, people really would look at you weird. Yeah. I think if well, you, if you started getting silly, 
Do you do you think that that has something to do with like it's so tied in our culture in America to this act of like defiance because it's something that is so uh, kept wow, away from you when you're point. younger, whereas in in Ireland or Spain or France, mm. the consumption of um, of of like wine or or whiskey is so woven into the culture that it's a point of pride to be French because of the wine. It's a, yes. it's a, it's a, a, a point of pride to be Irish because you gave the world whiskey. And so it's not, I'm doing this cause fuck you. I'm a rebel, which mm-hmm. is where our overconsumption may Spring have. Break. At yeah. least for me, it was like, I don't get a lot of shots at this. So let's get after it. Yeah, and yeah, even though exactly. I'm 43 and that's not true anymore, it still feels <laughs> that way. You know, like, <laughs> I think that that's a really excellent point man it's not it's not an act of rebellion yeah like if you can like you know i actually sometimes struggle in pubs like in, in the uk and stuff because they don't have music on yeah you know and for me booze is it, it well now as i grew into it it became like part of singing and performing um but it was it's a relaxation catharsis thing yeah and i think there it's like almost a um it's an adhesive that the community comes together in this place. There's mm. children, you know, there's dogs, there's, there's poor people, um, there's Uber drivers and there's Uber rich. Like yeah. there's, there's just, you know, it's kind of like this co- congregating thing. And I think, you know, I, I just had a, I, I went to a weird thing that happened in America in the fall. I, I got into a guy, put a gun up to my head. I got into yeah. some shit with some dude in a parking lot yeah. and it really, I think I saw you right after yeah. that. Yeah. It was yeah. real freaky, man. But I did this kind of part of my visualizing morning coffee stuff, a lot of reflecting about it. And I really think that the suburbs are beautiful in that you can come from any part of the world. If you immigrate, you can have literally a pool, you can have a two car garage and it's amazing to see that available. I think that what's really strange about that environment is I notice because my sister lives in the burbs. When I go visit her, there's a lot of peeling out. There's a lot of young, angry young man energy there. There's a lot of like um, insularity. So people are in these pods oh in their, God, in their cars yep. and they basically, they pod okay. it all the way to the gym. They pod it all the way to work. They pod it, they get, and they are not mixing. So if you think about Havana yeah. or something, you're sitting out there, old men are playing dominoes, and the fact that they're there makes you feel a sense of home because they've been there since you were a kid playing dominoes, yeah. arguing about the dominoes. You 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 see a girl, she's got she's got a pretty dress on. You're like, damn, I really want, I hope she. I want to go out with her. Like you see a little child, and I, I really think about sometimes, like when I really fell in love with Southern Europe, like coming over here when I was a kid and stuff, like just seeing like your weddings, you know, yeah. like there's kids off ma- teenagers are making out in the bushes. There's little kids running around playing with other little kids. There's a dog barking. The old people are dancing. They're dressed in the nines. Every, every part of this ecosystem has a place. They all belong. Yeah. And I think that there's something that's weird about the suburbs in the American experience where um, your time is when you're young and fit and you get out there and get a little wild out a little bit. And you're four by four and you get into that bar and you get a little nutty and get a little crazy. And then you're going to settle down. Yeah. Gonna, literally the, the, the word settle down. You're going to settle down mm. and stop being crazy and, right. and, and loose cannon. And then you settle down and then you, whatever happens, happens. But it's, I, I, I don't know if it's the healthiest thing. Cause I, I see other versions of it over here. And it's, I don't see that. I, I honestly dude, from, from here to Ireland, to Canada, to Australia, probably Canada, I'm sure has a bit of it, but 
I've, I only see that in America, man, that angry peeling out, thugging, looking at people crazy. Like that's an American thing, man. That's, there's a book, uh, it came out in the 90s, and it's weird how prescient it is now. It's called Bowling Alone by a dude named Robert Putnam. <clears throat> and it was him seeing that coming and basically saying, I'm watching where technology is mm. heading, and we're mm. giving people more and more opportunity to never experience any sort of time with anyone outside of their already chosen group and what that, yeah. w- what that will mean for us down the road. It's a fascinating book, and it's really interesting now to go back and read it. I, did, I, I remember I wrote a paper using that as a source when I was in college in the late 90s. And now going back and rereading it, it's wild how much of that stuff has actually come true. And it's pretty much based around that, that the suburban model is made to keep you away from everyone. Is yeah. the idea to have the big yard is so that no one's close to you. You have all of your stores carry everything, so you never actually have to interact with multiple store owners. All of the yeah. restaurants are cookie-cutter format chains so that you never have to try and find something new to like. It's everyone will have chicken fingers. Everyone will have Diet Coke everyone will have the same sort of menu graphics and then you can just exist without ever having to think about it or ever change your comfort zone. It's wild. If I know if I'm honest with you, man, you know, you have, sometimes you think, you know, you get older and you start thinking like, what is, what is, what is, what is my intention? Like, what is my, what will my, what, if I had a say in it, what would my legacy be? What would my Mm -hmm. contribution to, the grand tapestry of all this be. And I, if I, if I somehow could let kids know, like, listen, man, if you're not agreeing with everything that's going on around you, that's great. Yes. Because that means you have to go find stuff. Yep. And that's really wonderful. And what happened to me is I just kind of looked around at my town and just, I just felt like when I was in rooms full of people, I just thought everyone's wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, like this, you're wrong. Like, this is wrong. I don't think that's right you know i think it's a little bit messed up what we did to those girls in high school and to fat kids and black kids and like this shit isn't right man Mm -hmm. like i remember feeling like this this isn't and i just i would find myself kind of and and sadly like i had this discussion with a friend of mine he's a he's actually a liberal um he's a he calls himself uh a hillbilly or a redneck he calls himself a liberal redneck Mm. he's a gun shooting outdoorsman lovely guy from arkansas we had this big talk and I was like, you know, man, I think in America, what I see is I don't think it's so much right and left as we think it is. I think it's often urban rural yeah. that can't understand. Like, how is Harlem going to understand Waco, Texas? Yeah. How is Miami going to understand Anchorage? Like, I think that disconnect happens quite a bit. And the suburbs are this weird thing that says... We have access to all the things the city people do. We're in fact, we're only forty-five minutes away. But it's like, but you're not there. Yeah. And the the biggest mm-hmm. the biggest thing that it, the gift that living in a city gives you is that you're forced to be around people all the time. Yeah. And you're forced to interact. Yeah. Well, all right. Let's cheers on that. And Thank you. Uh, all right. So, I think I'm up next. Yeah. Cheers okay. to uh, expanding cheers. our horizons willingly. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to turn it back uh, to to childhood stuff. Uh, all three of us uh, have publicly talked about being from sort of meager means. Um, yeah. I mean, shit, they made a movie about <laughs> your growing up, Billy. Uh, 
But to, to think of positive stuff from back then, uh, I feel like sometimes if you grow up with next to nothing, it makes the few things that you get very special. So is there something, whether it was like a food or a candy or a treat or even a toy that was like extra special to you when you were a kid or you knew life was good if there was a chance of you getting that? Mm. It's funny, dude. I, I was, I, I'm on the Instagram cause it's one of the last ways to get the word out for shows and yeah. so on. So I'm on it actually a lot more than I want to be, but I am on it. And I saw some, I started following something that it's like simply eighties or retro eighties or something. And it is so well done, man. The dude <laughs> basically plays like flash dance through a VCR, through an old TV that we would have had back then. Yes, He has like actual old ads and he does these like kind of little installations where you feel like you're in, in a room in the 1980s, yeah, right? Like, yeah. um, and so he had one the other day and it was actually, when I was a little boy, I wouldn't say it was something if I had it, everything would have been okay, but it was definitely something I saw in Santa Cruz when I was a little boy in windows of bicycle shops. It was a mongoose BMX. Oh yeah. I, dude, I dude. haven't seen one since I was a little boy. And I was like, I used to like see that in my dreams yeah. and it's probably 600 bucks, you know, it's probably not crazy, but I'm like, damn. And I, I think, I think that's, what's really fun about being an adult is you circle back around and you're like, that was not a whole lot. I mean, it was way too much for a little boy to have, right? but it was, it was, I, I literally dreamt of it. It was like my red rider BB gun. Like, and you would have fucking keeled over yeah. if that showed yeah. up one yeah. day. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the <laughs> mongoose. I can literally picture that. Yeah. Because I also wanted that. And then uh, my dad and my grandfather got me a bike. It was a Peugeot. It was actually a very nice bike. Oh, that's but, a legit bike. But I had not heard of that. And so I was very mad about it. And I specifically didn't ride a bike for a year. It just sat in my garage <laughs> because I was so mad. Here's my not a mongoose. Exactly. Here's my <laughs> not what I wanted, motherfucker. <laughs> like, what an awful child. You know, it wasn't like I had multiple bikes. Like, I literally chose to not have a bike and have to walk places because i was so mad Principal. about that yeah bike snob yeah i'm total bike snob <laughs> uh charles what about you what was your what was your jammy jam so like a special treat for me when i was a kid because i was you know there's a lot of directions you can go with this because right. like, sometimes it's just a small thing sometimes it's going to the chinese restaurant or something getting like really bad ch chow mein but i think one of the things that i can harken back upon that was a really special treat for me and and the reason I'm going to recant this is because there's like a pretty good story to go along with it. My godmother used to take me out for brunch after church. Sometimes she was really wealthy, owned a bunch of local companies here. I won't get into all that, but we were of little means, but she was very wealthy. Probably part of the reason she was my godmother. She'd take me out to this little uh, diner. It was Lebanese owned, but a little diner in Northeast Minneapolis. And I would always get blueberry pancakes because the pancakes were just like perfectly cooked, and then they had the little silver, um, oh the, the gravy syrup? boat or the gravy boat of syrup right, with yep. the sliding top yeah. with like oh. little tiny blueberries, like wild blueberries. Yeah. Was, I, they might have been currants. They might have been lying. Who knows? Because they were so small, yeah. they could fit through that little spout, and I would just dump it everywhere. Like the whole plate was saturated. They were swimming in that shit. And I fucking loved it. That and the hot butter on that plate absolutely slayed me. And it was like a real special treat, this white cloth restaurant. But the thing with my godmother is anytime she either took me out to eat or she'd like, she'd hand me a check. Like she'd hand me a check for a hundred bucks. She'd say, 
hey, school's starting. Here's a check for $100. Get yourself some new clothes. She'd say, um, but I want you to get a haircut. And I was oh, such a, I was such a stubborn motherfucker. I still am, believe it or not. What? I was such a stubborn motherfucker that I would like, I'd be like, oh, thank you. And then I go home and rip the check. I'm like, I ain't cutting my hair, motherfucker. All right, Jen. All right, Genesis. She oh. was she was awesome, but she was just being you know that yeah. was like a godmotherly thing. She's like, your hair is getting long, and you know I was like a little fucking metal skater punk piece of shit. And she's like, get your hair cut so people won't take you more seriously. You'll That's never just, get a job with a haircut like yeah, that. Yeah, she's like a she's like this fucking mogul. So she's probably looking at me like you can make something to yourself, but you don't look like someone who's gonna make something to himself. So she's like, here's a hundred dollar check, get your haircut. And I'd be like, sure, sure, and then I'd go home and be like, rip. Oh, I'm doing that shit. Can you imagine for that generation? Because I'm seeing it over here in Europe too. Like everyone has tats now, oh. right? What tats? What it's doing mm. to that generation of just like, oh, honestly, like everyone's got these tattoos and and just it's just whoever they they can't tell who the good guys are. I, I, <laughs> like David, I, David Beckham was like the first guy yep. to really go buck wild. Yeah. Remember that? Right. And then it was just like game on man I, uh, even like pro just, wrestlers like pro yeah. wrestlers who are big yeah. mean motherfuckers most of them had zero tattoos and then you had cm punk come along yeah. he's covering tattoos and everyone's like wow this guy looks unique because he's covering tattoos now every guy coming up a lot of them don't get hired because they're like we don't like your tattoos yeah there's some so problematic gonna, shit there we don't want you on tv every week but that's funny <laughs> that like even in a even in that field guys these big mean motherfuckers were never tattooed and now they're all tattooed <laughs> they're the um Billy, the one that I have on my forearm, on my, my left forearm, uh, I remember the first time that I saw my mom. My cousin Steven is a day older. Uh, his birthday is the 14th. And so okay. usually we'll try to get together, the two of us and my mom will get together, go out to lunch. And my mom, I, I watched her eyes. She's sitting across from me, and her, her eyes kept darting down <laughs> to my new art. And she says, you know, like I, could, I kind of finally just tugged up my sleeve a little bit. She goes, oh, you know, you don't have to cover those up anymore. And I was like, oh, this is like a breakthrough moment with my mom. And she goes, if you get an MRI, um, they're, they're finally to the point where it won't light your skin on fire. So I guess you're okay now. And I was like, oh, mom, I thought we had, had a breakthrough. And nope, it's just medical advice that I don't have to cover him up if I get an MRI on my forearm. <laughs> I really thought we were we were somewhere. And <laughs> it's just, if you think about it, Charles, like with someone saying like, look, you need to just for success. You need to get that haircut and stuff yeah. and turn around and. It's like these startup kids that are like yeah. just whatever they want to look like. It must have been so hard for them to watch yeah. it. It's probably they're probably still very dubious of it. Just yeah. like oh, the whole, I don't, this whole world, I don't know. Well, bro, through. my own career tra trajectory. I've had my own creative services studio for fifteen years. When I started, I'd wear slacks and a button-up shirt. I still have business tattoos. All my tattoos are under my shirt. But I used to shave, and I'd never wanted. This is a long time ago. I didn't want to shave, but now I yeah. I show up to meetings wearing, you know, like dressing. Like sometimes I I love wearing suits, so sometimes I'm wearing a suit because I wanted to that day. But a lot yeah. of days I'm dressed like I am now. I'm wearing some nice jeans, a black bell staff hoodie, a black hat, long beard, and some cons because yeah. I I'm like this is my brand. Okay, I you you, you you decided to work with me, but I couldn't have done that 15 years ago. Yeah, no. 15 years no ago, way. you have to show up with a briefcase and your buttons all buttoned up. It's a trip, man. We're in an interesting place where I'm a musician, right? And I think it's – so what we're talking about is people in the workplace and what's being asked of them and what's being tabled that is no longer of 
any importance. Right. What's interesting with musicians is they're being asked to be savvy social media mm-hmm. folk. They're um, to be hardy, to be now competing with AI. Um, they're supposed to kind of be up on technology and the twists and turns of it and kind of be visionary and also be hardy. I've got this interesting thing where I've been noticing that clubs are now charging, at least over here, 20% merch fee. Wow. And and that 25% merch fee, then the 20% VAT tax fee. So basically Ooh. it's 45%. So bands are like, not selling merch right. now sometimes because it just doesn't make sense which so what is so hurts them yeah but but what's brutal is like what i'm saddest about is the money thing sucks of course but i'm sad i was just telling a buddy of mine say let's just take a, a band that everyone knows let's say arcade fire mm-hmm. and for me to make it all work live i would have to sell my own merch break off the club half of it and then not have a tour manager because I'd be tour managing it myself. And so so it means I would drive myself. I couldn't have a drink. And imagine seeing Arcade Fire, the Win Butler, right? The singer. Imagine seeing that guy behind the merch that's breaking a 20. Mm-mm. Like, just like, ah, you know, I'm out of worms. Like, whole, like that's your, that's people's hero. Like, you don't want to see that guy digging around for change. That like, guy was just standing, really... <laughs> he was just standing on a piano that was clear, singing to a disco ball. And now he's back here trying to pull pocket change out to get somebody the appropriate change. <laughs> it kind of pops the middle. Or like, like, too short style, like, like out in the parking lot with his trunk open, just like, yo, what's yeah. up, y'all? Just yeah. talk- TVs out of the back of my trunk, like to get it. Like that is pretty gangster. But I don't want to do that. No. You know, it's, a, it's weird That's what's good. being asked of uh, in the in our workplaces and what's what people have chilled out on. It's funny how it's changed. I, how it's, it's so funny how weed's totally legit. Yeah. I was at a friend of mine's house in California. He was like smoking a bong in front of his mom, and I've known this dude since I was a teenager. I was like, dude, we used to hide out, and you're like garage hiding this from mom and now she's just like oh i like the smell honestly i'm like (laughs) my wife and i were watching american beauty last night and like the way that uh weed was like so dangerous and weird in that movie and it came out you know it came out in 99 i also remarked that it's funny that i am almost the exact age of the father kevin spacey as i was when it came out of his daughter and her friends yeah but the fact that like him enjoying weed was like, oh, he's so edgy and dangerous. But now it's just like, oh, cool. You like cannabis. All right. <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, you're, you're pro-cannabis. Cool. So check this out, man. This trips me out. Maybe you guys can help me articulate this. So if you think about the year two, let's say, let's say a, a date that everybody knows, 9-11, right? Sure. 2001. Diesel jeans. Um, maybe this was before Nano's. For like yep. the iPod, I think maybe mini discs were popping at the time. I still um, carried my giant CD folder everywhere that I went mm-hmm. so that there was always good music if we went anywhere. Yep. Yeah, so this is right just before the whole Napster shit kicked off. I'm just trying to think of what we looked like. Yeah. But pretty much people in New York had like a Yankees hat on, maybe a triple goose um, down. You wouldn't look out of place. Right. Like if you walked yep. into a bar dressed like that. Now, if you go to... T- 2001 and you rewind 20 years to 1981 we've gone through like god we've gone through duran duran shit yeah. weird brothers that didn't get the memo like kind of those early metallica 
like pictures yeah. where like Cliff Burton has bell bottoms on and shit. Yep. Like, they weren't all on the same page yet. Van Halen looked <laughs> a little weird, a little bell bottomy. And then it just all changed in Lycra. So they went through that. Then there was the like, kind of like Cosby Show 80s. Yep. On the turtleneck, like the hip hop, like Fresh Prince, like kind of like black culture was coming back in a totally different way in a, in a gangster rap. So we, that had happened. So people were kind of thugging out and really bad. Like, um, NWA had jerry curls and yep. shit, like literally drippy <laughs> yep. ass, yep. like fucking weird starter jackets and shit. So then we go from there to like late nineties, like apocalyptic Radiohead with big cargo pants, Tom York's fucking weird Frankenstein eyes bugging out. He's doing all the other sitting there like. <laughs> so we go through that phase of like huge hoodies. The Beastie Boys are like, remember their early shit yeah. with trucker hats, and they're like wearing like mailman shirts and shit. And then you go only, and then it's like late nineties is like. Fucking Coldplay. No, Coldplay would have been the early 2000s. Jay Z's popping up, yep. Biggie, all that stuff. And then we get to like the diesel jeans and the camper shoes and all that. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of change. But from, I don't know if it's that things have been accelerated technologically to where people or people are even trendier than ever. Cause that was something that used to just drive me nuts in Brooklyn. It's like, oh, Triple Goose, blah, blah, blah. Canadian jackets are in this year. And every Stacy and Jenny and Toby and Kyle would have one, and then it would after that it would be the septum piercing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, that's really happening. And it like year to year to year because when I when I'm in Britain, I notice that their style, their fashion shit whips around like like super fast. Like within the year, Australia is extremely mulleting hard right now. Um, <laughs> that really fits is, for me for Australia. Yeah, yeah, a lot of mullets yeah. <laughs> yeah, going happening. on. But I just thought like, wow. It, trends are moving so much faster than ever before whereas you know 20 years ago the difference between 20 years or even go back to 1985 yeah. 1965 really? this is like the beatles coming to america well you know what it I is hold your hand. it took a lot longer for us to be embarrassed when you had to print the photos that's fair you know that's fair you couldn't well, see how ridiculous you now looked you could see how dumb you looked last week because someone posted a photo on instagram and you're like shit let me try something else real quick <laughs> let me get rid of this shit <laughs> Oh, hey, I should, I should throw out, I haven't, I haven't answered my own question. Yeah, do it, please. So uh, all I wanted to throw out was... Uh, I'm going to get us another beer. All right, beautiful. I'd love one. Uh, I kept thinking, Billy, about like what was like, what was the ultimate pleasure? And for me, it was doing something when I finally decided to ride that fucking bike, and it was a great bike. Uh, it was the idea of wherever I could go that my parents weren't around. That was like, that was the spot. So for me, it was, we would go to Kenny's Market. And depending on how much change I had from like mowing the lawn or shoveling or whatever, uh, I'd get um, a couple packs of of baseball cards. And then I'd get the uh, Jolly Ranchers used to come in these flat blades that you could lick into like a prison shiv, right? And so, (laughs) and so I would open both packs and I would stuff that rock hard strip of dusty ass pink gum. And I'd like crunch it through the gravel stage until it was like, it was chewy bubble gum. And you got like 20 seconds of flavor tops, right? And I'm going through and I'm trying to figure out which players I don't have yet. And then my friends are doing the same thing. And as soon as the gum lost its flavor, you throw the gum away and then you start eating the, the Jolly Rancher. And that weird bubble gum and bright red fruit, like cherry, I, I think it was just red flavor. I don't know. That was like heaven. And then what we would do is we would argue about of the cards that you you had doubles of what would you trade somebody else to try and get like that full season set. And that was the closest thing that was more than currency to me. That was like it. And it was the, it was the, the taste 
and that freedom of like all being on one knee in a parking lot trying to offer like this Jose Canseco baseball card for one of your Jeff Reardon's and like seeing who had what allegiances to what teams and trying to figure out how to band together and get political. Like that was, that was it. I learned more about negotiations with other people in those moments than I did in any class in, in school for sure. <laughs> I guess you just kind of reset it. Dude, I would love to see, like how fast kids went through your your, your new pack of cards. Like, oh. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, like, and, and honestly, it's really funny looking back. I've never made this until you made that noise. I've never made this connection, but it's very weird that then that became how I would look for CDs, just like clack, 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 clack. And now when I'm looking at records, it's the same thing. Comic books. Like, yeah, comic books. Yeah. Well, like, I worked at, bro, I worked at Shinders. Yeah, you worked at, so it's like everything at Shinders. You went, blah, 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 everything. It was uh, like a, it was like a collective collectible stores so they had like magazines comic books videos uh pornography records porn the whole thing it was yeah, awesome it was everything little yeah. hub yeah i it's so nice to talk to you guys man that's wonderful that we share the similar stuff remember the fuck face card oh absolutely yeah, oh yeah <laughs> for the I, had listeners, a, I had the a friend who dressed card. up as the fuck face card for halloween that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> that's so such a great a, costume it was the orioles it was an orioles it was billy ripkin billy ripkin billy so for, for listeners basically there was a baseball so we're all little kids playing little league or whatever yeah. and this card came through and you know baseball cards were essentially for children for kids and their dads or whatever brothers and this card came through that on the underside of this guy's bat, like near his fist, he's holding the bat, like at the bottom of it, it says fuck face in Sharpie on this bat. <laughs> and they tried, they tried to pull it out of circulation, but many of them mm. got printed. So it became a collector's item. Dude, oh, oh man. Yeah. The that Billy was Ripken fuck yep, face the card. Billy Ripken. He's got it right there at his phone. It's yes. Flare. There it is. Dude. <laughs> the 89 Flair. Oh, that's so that's great. Classic. We had all that. So when I worked at uh, Shinders, when I was at, uh, the Roseville store in, in Minnesota here, we had a, a bulletin board in the back that we had all the error cards pinned to. So every error mm. card that was like infamous was pinned to a board in the back. And so I saw the fuck face card every day for like three or four years. That's so great. <laughs> uh, all right, Charles, I think you're, I think you're up. Hey, let's cheers. Oh yeah. Cheers. Cheers, cheers. to fuck face, Billy Ripken. To fuck face, Billy Ripken. Fuck face, Billy Ripken. <laughs> Holy shit, I haven't thought about that in so long. I could, the minute so you long. said it, I could picture it. I was like, oh my God. He's just kind of like, yep. he has no idea. Just the nicest dude. Yeah, right. All right, Billy, so you're in Geneva right now. Uh, yep. You know, obviously considered one of the finest chocolate producing areas in the world. Yeah. So uh, the question that I have for you is, um, especially as someone who's really well-traveled and has lived in a lot of different places, which city, state, or country do you enjoy sweets in the most? Sweets. Yep. That's the key word. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's not chocolate. My mind immediately yeah, went to chocolate. Yeah. Confections you of know, any man, sort. I, I'll tell you something weird. You were just talking about your happy place with the little prison shiv gum. Yep. And you were like a little free for a moment. <laughs> you know, when I was a little boy, it sounds kind of crazy, but I, I, I used to catch frogs down at this little creek in Santa Cruz, California. And I was very brazen and I would jump in the water up to my waist, you know, and I would catch frogs and I, I caught them. I had a little hustle going on, dude. I put them in jars and I would sell them to kids yes. in the neighborhood. Yes. Right. You know, for a couple frogs. bucks. But what I did is I took this money that I got and it was like probably 
realistically like ten ten dollars but when you're seven that's that's crazy that's incredible so i went you know what i used to just love and i still love man so i gotta tip my hat i would say i'll give germany the prize here Ooh, with a rival though Uh oh the netherlands yeah okay so so okay so so germany for their haribo dude they're they're haribo they're gummy bears gummy worms Uh thing is sick and it tastes so much different than when you buy it in america or in different countries so i'll give germany that however if you really want to get down into the into it the stroop waffle oh yeah uh, those like you know we're talking about charles these like thin love them um disc yeah they're so good so those in the netherlands i've never had a real one i've had like the shitty packaged ones in the united states but maybe yeah those things are so and i put them in the microwave for approximately seven seconds not nine yeah. not eight seven yep. it's, it, it's you, like you gotta get them out of seven otherwise they can be bald yeah, yeah. so, you're so right so those are lovely they're good with like everything um but the real jam is their licorice mm. it literally tastes like it got buried in iceland with some age-old gefilte fish <laughs> and you're like what is this yeah. and it smells terrible and i can't believe i'm putting this in my mouth it's gray and it's all chalky like Ooh. it looks like et when he died when he like he was all like he was dying like <laughs> like when he was gray et it looks like that and you're like <laughs> Probably tastes the same too. That's so. Yeah. That's what I imagine ET would have smelled like in that situation. Yeah. Wait, hold on. Are we all licorice eaters? Because I like. I like. I like liquor ice. Quam, do you eat liquor ice? Yeah, but I'm. I'm finicky. I won't okay. really eat American licorice. I don't care for Twizzlers or Red Vines. But Dude, you like real black licorice, I, is what you're saying. I do, and real I like preferred, okay. I like the Scandinavian salted black licorice if I'm going to do it. Okay. I like uh, anise things, um, yeah. sweet or savory, and I like I like licorice. And yeah, li- I, I prefer real licorice. I think that for me, like red Twizzlers or red vines or, um, God, what are the, the little nuggets that you get? They, Nibs. No, no, they're... Whatever. I can't think of the fucking name. But anyways, those things taste like... Those are something else to me. That's yeah. not really licorice. If someone says they don't... Yeah. If someone's like, oh, I don't like red Twizzlers because I don't like licorice, I'm like, that's not that's, that's not licorice. That's like the fruit-flavored yes. Twizzler. <laughs> you want some nasty shit, slept in a gutter, yep. got up, lost his family, <laughs> licorice, he's just struggling <laughs> through the streets, like some back alley licorice. So, I want some, some Rikers alley, alley licorice. licorice. <laughs> E.T. E.T. beat to death with baseball bats. Yeah. You want that kind of licorice? Oh, I'm with you, man. I love Some that. sketchy decomposing licorice. Oh. For sure, dude. Yeah. The I E.T. Can fuck with Remember that. when E.T. was gray? Dude? Yeah. Was that's I, horrible. I've never thought about it, but I actually 100% agree with you. That's what that looks like, and I'm okay with it. I forgot about that, and you just gave me like some childhood PTSD. I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, trigger warning. <laughs> Excuse me while I sob real quick. Burnt up E.T. Uh, yeah, let's see. So I'd say Netherlands, and there's a store nice. there called Albert Hein. It's like Safeway or something. It's like all over the country. Oh. You walk in there, and you know what's really trippy about? Like I lived, I lived there once, and rent is not cheap. It's not easy to get something in a good neighborhood. It's hard, like the whole rental market. But the grocery stores, dude, they're beautiful. Yeah, they're beautiful, yeah. and everyone's nice. Oddly, Ben, you would you could dig this. I don't know how tall you are, Charles, but I'm six two, right? So when I walk through the streets, bro, 
I'm not tall there. Yeah. Which it nah, does something. No. It humbles you like a. It turns yeah. you into a koala bear. Yeah, yeah. And you, you and I, you and I'd be in the same store. same range of height and probably feel the same way walking around people. Yeah, because that's happened. Yeah. When I've been in the airport, because I've been in the airport there and like yeah. i'm like wow i'm the small guy here yeah sometimes you're in an airport and you're yeah. like i'm the biggest motherfucker here <laughs> where that height? yeah you're like yeah you I'm and kid, i are in that height range Guatemala. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah um in uh mexico city yeah you know, mexico city i was like i'm the biggest motherfucker in this town <laughs> i'm like yeah i'm killing it man and then you go there and you're like i'm as big as an eighth grade girl yeah. and i'm wandering around this grocery store trying to make it all fit and work in my mind and then the last thing I tell myself, and this is no bad blood, but this is all happening to my masculinity. So I'm walking to the aisles of Albert Hyde with this decomposing whale blubber smelling licorice. It's like, you know what, motherfucker? At least I know you have a hard time on an airplane. Yes, exactly. Hard time like me. Like I might be up to your like junk and like <laughs> yawn, but guess what, bro? You got it worse than me. I have to like kind of uh -huh. go filter through my head like See, why you it's such a short there. You and I are like, please don't recline. I'm, I'm fine. Please don't recline. I'm fine. Quam is like, fuck everything about this if he's not in the exit row or first class. Yeah, I have the few times that I've been stuck in, in Gen Pop, I literally will just put my hand out and I'll just, oh I'll, I'll try and push down whatever smile I could and I'll literally just say no. And most people just leave it at that. They're like, I don't want oh, to anger the giant. To, when they try yep. to recline on you, yep. just uh, do it. Yeah, just like, hey. No. You know, okay, so this, this got weird once. I had an airplane thing that went real south. Now, you're a big dude. <laughs> yeah. Ben, what are you, 6'4"? 6'5". 6'4"? 6'5". Okay. 6'5". Okay. So, dude, when you put your feet forward, it's important to me. Because I'm never going to sleep anyway, but at right. least just to lie to myself. Mm. I believe that the footy, footsie thing in front of the, the seat in front of me, the yep. thing that your feet touch when it goes forward, that's for you. Correct. I agree with you. Okay. The little bar? Now, I, yeah, the little bar is for you. I yeah. had a dude... Yeah kicking my feet and i kicked what? him back and we went back and forth I'm like what are we eight six wow, yeah. and like he's like it's mine and he had like a, a really bad like ted nugent ponytail what was he doing like, down there you, man dude we started getting into it on the plane <laughs> and the lady came by the and she's like excuse me sir i'm like he's kicking my feet and then she left and i'm like i'm in your head man yeah what was he doing down <laughs> was, there basically he thought <laughs> or he, he was pushing back that that thing is, to be fair, it's kind of a gray area. It's underneath his seat. Like if he wants to put his heels on it, it makes sense that that would be his. Mm. But I'm tall like you. So mm. I was pushing forward. Like, oh, yeah. well, this is the only place I have to put my feet. Yo. And I get it, dude. It's the same as the armrest, though. First one there. Agreed. First one there. So the middle seat, what's elbows? Talk to me. I always you give think? whoever's in the middle seat. I always give that too if you're at the window because if i'm flying by my so if it's not my wife next to me i will yeah. fly on the aisle because i prefer that because i can lean out a little bit yeah and i'll take the beverage cart running into me versus uh. not so i always try to give that because it's like i know okay. i see it on their face it's every, like a whole every one of them does it if i get on the plane first <laughs> and i'm already in that aisle seat somebody's coming down they see me they're like oh motherfucker i gotta sit next to like roll like james the giant peach mm. i'm like just this massive thing <laughs> And they're like, oh, Shrek God damn it. a Timberwolves jersey. Right. Like uh, at live shows, I try to be a responsible tall person. I stand in front of pillars. I th That yeah. empathy, I can't turn off. Yeah. So I try to make it as friendly as possible. But you see it on their yeah. face. They know. So I'm like, yeah, okay, like, I want to be the tall person that they're like, hey, actually, I sat next to this giant. But he was like really nice. You know, he like only ate half of my snacks and he let me have my elbow on this thing. <laughs> so 
like I, you know, it sucks to do that, but like I overcommit to the bit of trying to be yeah. like the nice one so that they it's don't being the compassionate all. giant, man. I feel you, bro, inside. and I don't want any trouble. Yeah, but I've had it. Yeah. So something. Do you want to? Uh-huh. My night, my, my airport nightmare came true. So I was just doing that tour in Australia. This is like what month and a half ago, and I flew back, man. I got my guitar. I had like all my production stuff, a couple lights, mics, and shit. I was gonna do some recording down there and just podcast shit. And basically, I bought another side bag just uh-huh. because I wanted to like take some stress off the wheels of my my beloved Black Falcon. Black Falcon's been with me for years. I love Black Falcon. She's a little tired, so I bought this extra bag. And I went through some garbage where it was one of those kayak tickets where I went direct. Yep with the airline and you had to fly like Qantas to Melbourne uh-huh. and then you get on the Emirates to go over. Mm. Dude, they charged me $1,600 for a bag. What? Wait, what? How? Holy crap. They just, Qantas was like, I don't know, sir. Um, I can't do the Australian accent, but just like, um, oh, I don't know. This is getting... That seems a little bit weird. Yeah, you know, exactly. Blame the wallabies like, and getting... koalas. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it's getting a bit expensive. I'm like, dude, a bit. Like that's insane. So did not properly I, quantify I, this. <laughs> yeah, so <bad. laughs> dude, oh, totally. it's so bad. I love it. So that, I love it so much. So gnarly. So I get to Melbourne, man, and I, I'm like, I, I'm stunned. I'm like, I've just been robbed. I, I'm going to go file formal complaints. So I go to the security desk. I'm on a layover. I'm like, hi, something's weird. They didn't tell me about this. It's the same amount of stuff I brought to the country. I'm leaving it now. You can't do this to me. And, and so I go to Qantas and I talk to them and the lady says, well, the guitar's throwing things off. You do have ex- this amount of kilos with you. And I'm like, miss, there are, you're an Australian. There's snowboarders, there's surfers, yeah. there's fishermen, there's hunters. Like, what are you talking about, man? Um, and she, you know what she tells me? Dudes, you're not going to believe it. She's like, well, if you, you might be better off just leaving. I can track down a bag if you want to leave one here. I'm like, are you out of your goddamn mind? What? Leave a just a mysterious bag at an airport? Yeah, it seems to me that's the one thing they ask you over and over. No, I hope dude. you have it done. <laughs> so, but, but the thing is, the truth is, bro, I would have been better off. Like, it surpassed the guitar value. So it's like, I just got totally shook down by Emirates Airlines. Like, I got robbed. Wow. And I'm like, I don't know. I've written them, and now I'm in some, like, this is your, your case number, blah, 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 blah. And, um... That just happened. That's a, that, yeah. Brutal. It's not, yeah. No, fuck shakedown. Shakedown for yeah, real. That I'm like, there's, there's no way that that like is something that is on a chart where they're like, well, we could only have done this for sixty hundred yeah. dollars. Fuck that. There's no way that actually works. Uh, where? Oh, uh, so it yeah. was. Where is? If I remember right, where is? Uh, like, where in the world do you enjoy, enjoy confections the most? the most? Well, okay, so confections. This, Any types of things yeah. that contain sugar. Well, I mean, I want to say. And I know you and I are not big sweets guys. I don't know, typically, Billy, if you're much of a sweets guy. But I, when I'm when I starting to get into the sweets is when I'm I'm way off track and I a, a diet yeah. comes pretty short. I you start gaining weight and shit. Sure. Like, so it means I, something what, to you, yeah. right? Like if you're doing it, it's got to mean something, mm-hmm. and that's part of the yeah. reason. That, like I don't want I don't want sweets if they're not high quality because. Like, yeah. what the fuck is the point of these calories? And also, you know, sugar's a fucking poison. So when yeah, I'm, sure. so part of the reason I inquire is, you know, with you traveling so much and qualms travel a lot, I've traveled a lot. Yeah. I don't like yeah. sweets in the U.S. I like them, 
when I'm overseas. Sure, there are like desserts at really nice restaurants that I enjoy. But so for you, yeah. I'm like, where, what, in what environment are you like, wow, I really, I really enjoy sweets when I'm here. Well, it's, it's actually somewhat mm. similar to my answer for the previous question about Jolly Ranchers and, and, and baseball card gum mm. was, um, my mom shipped me off to a lot of camps when I was a kid so she could have some time to herself because sure. it was just her and I. So it was, I, I can't even begin to fathom the amount of time I took up of her world asking <laughs> really irritating questions constantly about everything. <clears throat> and one of the camps that I went to was a Norwegian language camp. And it's the reason that I kind of got in touch with my, my heritage. There's, so cool. there's a university here in Minnesota that spent a bunch of money in the sixties and seventies, and they created all these different language camps. So if you, if you want your kid to learn a language, you go there and it's full immersion. Um, so cool, man. and they work on language with you. So for me, I went to Skufjorden, which is the Norwegian language camp for uh, seven straight summers. And oh, in addition great. to taking and confiscating all of your comic books, all of your American music, all of your American media, they also only had uh, Scandinavian food. And, and then in the cantina, it was only Scandinavian candies and, and soda. And much in the same way that most Americans that I know revere Jaritos or Mexican Coke as superior <laughs> beverages because they use real cane sugar, uh, Norway has an orange-flavored pop called Sulu that is the best because, again, wow. it was that symbol of like financial independence and freedom as a child when you didn't have a whole lot of money for anything, period. I could go yeah. to the store and like confidently buy that. Yeah. And then <clears throat> there's a... Um, there's a chocolatier in Norway called Freya, and uh, they uh, developed, that. yeah, the Kviklunch, which is the, it's, it's the predecessor to the Kit Kat. It's what, it's what mm. Mars Chocolate Company copied to make the Kit Kat. And I don't know why, but this has always made me so weirdly happy. Um, the, the filling, and this is true of Kit Kats as well, but the filling of a Kviklunch where it's like, you know, it's chocolate and it's layers of wafer, and then all the layers of wafer are bound together. The thing mm. that binds them all together is the failed quick lunches oh, previous right. to it. Ah. They crush the ones that break. They crush them up. And that's the ah. filling in between there. So it's a lossless candy bar. Zero waste. And for whatever bar. reason, that <laughs> makes me so happy. And I yeah. love it. There is one store in Minneapolis that sells them. It's cash only. It's Engebritsen's Scandinavian market. And oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. I literally, like, I will change my day around. If I'm having a shit day, I will change my day around so that I drive past Ingebrigtsen's mm -hmm. so I can go in and I'll pay, like, $9 for a fucking candy bar and a soda. Mm -hmm. But I'll Wait, can you get the George Takai orange soda? The Sulu? Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sulu? Immediately, Captain. Uh, but that's, and then I'll sit in my car. And I will 100% house that and drink the soda. And then wow. I'm like, okay, that's, yeah. a mood, that's a mood reset. Little, so let's go. little sugar rush. Yep. You know, you're giving yourself like that five-year-old infusion, like that <laughs> yep. shocking yourself with sugar <laughs> real and quick. The fun part is that uh, I remember when I lived in Norway in 99, I remember going to the candy factory and taking a tour and remembering that it was kind of Willy Wonka-esque. I got to take mm. my wife back there in 2016 and it 100% is. You get in a time travel cube and you end up in like uh, the Aztec and Inca Central America. <laughs> like they do all kinds of over the top shit. But the entire time you also get to make your own candy bar and add in whatever toppings. That 100% brought me like 
unabridged, like unabashed childlike joy. I was so happy, like just running around and like you got to like dip a wafer in fresh chocolate flowing out of a like a faucet. Like, yeah, I want all of that all day forever. I'd love to see you skipping. Yeah, there is one hundred percent. I would love you. I'd love to factor. see you skipping through Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. That was <laughs> still, beautiful, Ben. Still no cartwheels, but I will one hundred percent skip for you, <laughs> <laughs> Mister Awad. What is your my my fellow bitter human? Yeah, easy answer for me. It's Lebanon. Uh, Lebanon's what made me realize that oh, maybe I do like sweets. I just don't like, you know, mm. um, the. Crayola chocolate that you get in yeah. a lot of the U.S. off a grocery yeah. or off of a like a gas station shelf. Like I was like, ah, I hate chocolate. It turns out that no, I actually like chocolate. I wasn't eating chocolate. I was eating Crayola crayons. But when it, when you're in Lebanon, you know Lebanon's had a lot of occupancies. They had like a French occupancy, so there's like yep. a lot of uh, patissiers there, and you get things like um, noodle sit, which are these like almost like fried cannolis mm. that are full of like sweet cream, and then they have fruit over the top it's yes. the loose translation of that is like a old lady's arms is the <laughs> the terminology of that um and then the old have, bingo wing the old, the old bingo wing. <laughs> when they yell bingo it looks like they might just take off yeah, with that one right i think that's what i think that's what it's referring to is like yeah you know aging skin yep yep and uh like you can get croissants delivered directly to your door by someone on a moped at my my condo in in Batroon, like someone will like roll up. You can just call and they roll up on a moped and they just drop off these giant, delicious, perfectly baked croissant. I sit on the pit, on the deck overlooking the Mediterranean, drinking Turkish coffee and smoking a Cohiba. Like, what yeah. do you want? That's it. That's yeah. Perfect. And then like, uh, then you have like That's Lebanese legit, confections, dude. like baklava, of course, or butlewe as it's called there, and then uh, kanefe, which is my favorite oh, sweet breakfast food. So good. So just And then uh, like booza, Lebanese ice cream, like the stretchy ice cream. It's mm, real fruit. I've never and, had that. Oh, my God. It's it's just different. It's totally different. They make, they make something called cocktail. It's not like a cocktail. It's a fruit cocktail. They make like these crazy like blender frozen fruit smoothies, in effect, with like layers of different fruits in them and then like fresh whipped cream on the top. Throw some pomegranate seeds on there. Give it to me. Some shit like that. Lebanon, let's go. It's just different. Also, one of the coolest flags in the world. Yeah, buddy. That's what's up, man. The the cedar. Yeah, Yeah, I love it. But yeah, it's just it's when I eat, even like the candies you buy in the store, they just they taste different. Mm -hmm. You can tell that there was care taken to producing them. It wasn't just a commodity for the highest, you know, revenue threshold. Uh, Their their candy, their their ice cream, their various confections. They have those beautiful, like, European-style patissiers that when you walk into them, you're like, how is someone supposed to choose one thing to eat when they walk in here, you know? Like, the... Yeah, the... um, It's uh, remarkably attractive people as well. Like, just walk around like, wow. Wow. Dude, it's it's wild. You go shopping on a Tuesday morning at 9 a.m., and people are dressed like they're going to their own wedding. Yeah. It's, you're like, what? Bogota, Bogota Colombia, was like that too. Yeah. I, I, love, I love that about every about bar I culture. went to. I'm like, how am I so yeah. under, I came from a wedding and I'm underdressed. Yeah. What the fuck is going on? Everyone's looking at me because I'm not properly dressed. Right. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, well, shit, we're drinking some fur net now. All right, so. we switched it up. All right. Let's what do you, cheers. yeah, Billy, what do you got there? 
I got a Chardonnay. That's a Swiss one. Blanc. Uh, I couldn't even pronounce this, brother, but this is it. That's You know what's yeah, funny? Right. What, what I did notice from my travels there is a lot of times, especially with the Germanic side of Switzerland, uh, if you it looks weird as hell, but if you sound it out, a lot of times yeah. it's it's like a it, like you can figure out what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting Yeah, it's it's interesting. You you actually get lucky with French a lot more than you'd think you do. Like invincible would be, you know, into ble. Like the BLE things, some often you get mm-hmm. some freebies there. Well, and then it's funny because like the, the très bien and bonjour and um merci beaucoup. Oh, you know these words. Yep. Like you've heard them. So it's not totally foreign. Well, and on top of it, I mean, coming up in Santa Cruz, like you had to be around Spanish on a pretty regular basis. 100%. And those two yeah, those cognates I'm, are close enough too where you can usually figure out if you can figure out what the root of yeah. the noun or the verb is a lot of time you can figure yeah. out where that's going yeah it's cool it's just you do feel i feel just silly as fuck because i'd say i would say geneva is probably the most civilized place i've ever lived um and they're like you know and i'll, and I'll give them this like i walk i walk around here dude and and mandarin japanese farsi spanish uh french portuguese i recognize those languages right mm-hmm. I, I don't recognize all the, the i hear a language every day i'm like is that slavic like what <laughs> what was that is that oh. some russian shit um and i'm i'm, I'm like authentically stumped I, and, and it happens i don't, don't know geneva is very very international that's and really it's cool. i think that's the weird thing is it's extremely low-key yeah it's just really, really low key. So you wouldn't find a social club there that was a Lebanese social club or a or a Sicilian place or something. It's just low key. Um, nothing's a big deal. Everything's. I mean, I just came from swinging a lake in forty degree water in March, and I'm like walking around like seaweed monster, like oh, getting on a motorcycle in a wetsuit. And like, like people even turn their head to look at me like the I'm world's like, weirdest what? triathlon <laughs> you're just like <laughs> <laughs> you're just ripping off I, I, like the idea. I like the idea that this is like a like a local production of a bond film where you just came out of the water yeah. and instead of having like the waterproof tuxedo like we didn't have the budget for that they're looking down the road for tom cruise they're like <laughs> right, this guy's exactly. chasing tom he's sure. gotta be chasing funny, tom <laughs> and i'm like what is it gonna take like at least give me a nod like that's pretty ballsy man you're swimming in the winter it's nope. raining um Nothing. Nothing. And, just, and I love him for that. Like, I, you know, um, nice. I, it was, and let live it was really cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool people. Uh, I'm still up to bat. Yeah, here. go for it. Uh, topic number four, Billy. Okay. So, and, and uh, this is a nice segue because we're talking about like worldliness and traveling and, and cool. different walks of life. So in keeping with, uh, we have a, we've had a recent trend of talking about the zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Cause we've been talking about like the last of us a lot and things like that. And this question is actually a question that I've had on my list, my giant document for a very long time. I think this is going to be a fun time to ask it. So which bar, restaurant, or venue anywhere in the world is your Winchester? So that's like the place you'd hole up to survive the longest in the event of an outbreak. And think of it both as a place that you'd enjoy being and a place that would prove valuable to your survival. I would say the place I just took Ben in Dublin. Dude, I, yeah, I was hoping you were going to say that because if you didn't, I was going to. That, <laughs> oh, so he's nice. It's my, it's my favorite pub was, in the world, man. Yeah. I, it's, I, it's so what's it called? Tell us about it. Well, man, you know, it's I had I had a, um, a Dubliner, which now that I'm like been in Ireland a lot more like uh, extended amounts of time there. Mm-hmm. 
I realized that Dublin's the Dubliner is a very in, a, a, a interesting contribution to the Irish thing, the, the whole Irish, the fabric of Ireland. Like it's mm. it's a unique thing. It's a respected thing, and the country's you know it's been through quite a bit, and and there's a lot of. Um, there was an uprising there. You know, there's a lot of bravery. There's a lot of um, getting on with it. There's a lot of humor. Mm -hmm. And the place where that plays out is is often, you know, at the pub around music and around, like, people telling stories, which is, again, yeah. why I was felt really inspired to get these stories out. It's stories, man. Mm -hmm. Story. We are just talking about the Peugeot. You know, we are yeah. talking about uh, Lebanon. Like, I, I think stories are pretty much everything. And these people actually, it's so life-affirming to see them because – I wrote a 17,000 story essay about being called out in this pub that meant so much to me to sing in front of the owner by him and like an Irish trad, like balladeer guy. But I'll, that's a sidebar topic. The reason I ended up finding this place is that I wanted my band to go there so bad. And we, we'd started having success in America I guess in, in Canada as well. And then at Britain. Billy, and really like, quick. Would this, would this yeah. have been Augustine's or, or Pella? It's Augustine's. Augustine's. Okay. Yeah. Augustine. And it was getting to the point where we were selling out like Shepherd's Bush Empire and we were selling out like legitimate venues that, that are hard to sell out. And I was like, Ahem, Ireland, man, come on. What are you doing to me, man? Like I, I used to live there when I was like 22 and like, it's just a big deal for me. And they just had this hard and fast rule about Ireland that basically you can only play it once a year. There's only really 5 million people in the country. Mm -hmm. So they'll kind of go to either Belfast or Dublin or Cork or whatever to see a proper big production show. What they didn't tell me is that there's all kinds of beautiful opportunities to see some really like even well-known artists in a pub. Yep. Like that's that's a currency, that's a social currency mm. that happens in Ireland to this day. Yeah. I just did a tour in Ireland that way and I loved it. Anyways, I was banging on about it so much that finally this promoter, um, we actually, we played a festival with Florence and the Machine and we were on the main stage, which was wild. And there was another bigger band i can't remember them then it was just a one and done we got over there for the festival we got out and i was like yeah we gotta, i know people would like the music and we gotta do this finally they give us a shot and the night before this guy simon merriman he said buddy he was like i'm gonna i'm like you gotta we gotta see some trad music man he's like i'll sort that out for you man and literally we go to this pub and it is like heaven man it's like just ill and pipes, people singing like slow wares, acapella, like the you know, whole pub singing along. And it's like, there's when I was there, there was no tourists. It was like just Irish people, people speaking the Irish language that I hadn't been around yet. And um, anyways, it got to the point where I got to go sit down in a pit next to this kid named Matthew that plays speak like the bagpipe, right? The ill and pipe. And I got to sit next to him. And somebody from behind, like us, uh, started singing um, "Ald's Triangle," oh. A U L D, uh, and it's a really heavy tune about being in prison. Which, and hold on, it, hold on, super heavy tune. Except the third verse is the greatest flip of a joke about imagining <laughs> how great it would be to be locked in the women's prison. 
Like that's yes. what I, that's what I love. Like yes. when you actually listen to that, yeah. even in a terribly sad song about basically knowing you're going to die in this jail, they still found a way of making an entire verse about how great it would be if you could get snuck into the women's prison and have <laughs> classic Irish right uh-huh. there, right? Yeah. Like a little humor, like take the good with the bad. That's too. always my like whenever I have to explain how the Irish sense of humor works. That's yeah. one of the things that I point that's, to. That would sound like even in your exactly sourest like mood, it. you're still thinking about. I could please a couple ladies before I'm gone. <laughs> yeah, a bit of crack, right? Exactly, so anyways, a bit of crack. I'm in, I'm in there, and this dude just fires off this tune from like, like outside of my, my vision, and he and it comes out, and they all triangle. The whole pub starts singing it. When jingle, jingle, and then it goes back to this the, the main guy that's singing, and there's a, it's a call and response mm-hmm. happening, and everybody in the place knows the words, and I was like. I have been all over the world, man. I've been to Asia, Africa, Latin America, all over. I've never seen that this before. Yeah. Literally goosebumps. And so I'm at this pub and I, I'm like, I, this band was so good. They were called the Bonnie men. And I just, the next, I woke up pretty hungover. Like literally I was in tears, man. It was so beautiful. Like the mm-hmm. singing is so beautiful. And I literally contacted Simon. I'm like, I know it's a long shot. So those guys want to open up for us tonight? And they literally said yes. Next thing I know, I'm on stage with a, with a traditional Irish band with a baron, the, the go, the go, the go, uh, a female singer, fiddles, everything. And they come on stage with Augustine's. And this is my first show, and we sold it out. And, yes. and I was just like, and not for nothing, man. After the show, we go backstage, and they kicked off. Of course. We just all night, man. It was just ridiculous. And I was just like, you know, that kind of feat of of music, I've really only ever seen, I'd say, in New Orleans. Yeah. I would say I would say New Orleans and and, and Ireland and Dublin, Ireland might be the most intense, like in the in the fiber, the marrow of the people. So oh, yeah, this awesome. place, there's a wonderful documentary on the RTE that just came out about the cobblestone because they're trying to save it because these developers are after them and shit. And uh, Tom Mulligan, the owner, is wonderful. If you guys want to check it out or link it to your uh, podcast, I will, I will support, absolutely support this pub. So anyways, Ben's coming to Ireland, and I'm like, I know exactly where I'm taking you, dude. And we go down there. To you, so you explain, how did it feel for you to see that place? Well, so <clears throat> it, it works both in the context of this question and just as a place that I would yeah, want to go. Like, tell me about the fortifications. Well, but, but that's the thing is, is you're like, so we're, we're sort of uh, Billy met us for dinner and we're yeah. on like, like we're literally right on the river, the Liffey in the middle of Dublin. Yeah. And we're eating this like kind of posh, uh, like Italian fusion pizza kind of joint. Huh. We're drinking wine. We're having fun. Mm. And then he, we were, I was like, well, let's go somewhere for a pint or two. And he's like, well, I would love to bring you guys to this place. And we're like, cool. And he's like, it's a little far away, but let's just start walking. So we go and we get off the main road. And that's when you know that you're, you're going somewhere real because you're off what is now the thoroughfare. Yeah. And you're going down in, in the years of horse and buggy, what would have been the thoroughfare. And then yeah, you see exactly what you want. You see big dick walls and little windows and one pub sign. So you I walk can see in. how this is helpful Correct. for the zombie apocalypse as right. well. It's not on the main drag. So you walk it's in. a little isolated. Correct. It's a little bit off. It's on a back street. It's yeah. not where everything is going to go. It's not where shit's going to pop off immediately. Mm-hmm. 
And then you got you, some good sight lines. Yeah, you got good sight got lines. Some good doors. It's shaped like a, like a capital L. So there's like the bar goes around the corner. There's a 90 degree turn in it. And you got sort of the pit up front where all the trad singers are. And then you have all of this room for everybody to hang out. There's a little patio area. There's pretty exemplary bathrooms and a music venue attached to it. Okay. Uh, next door. So it gives us lots of room with which to defend slash put things up, but also enough mm-hmm. room to move around a little bit. Sure. And I remember walking in. The only thing that gave me panic was that it was. Because you got to live and not die. Correct. So it was. When we walked in, it was absolutely like nuts to butts. It was. It was crotches. Yeah. On, and then, <laughs> and then again with with me with Billy being the second tallest person in our group. Actually, no, you were you were the third tallest because Chris was also like six three six yeah. four. And yeah. we're doing the thing where. That, that all tall people do when they're in a room. So if you're shorter and you've wondered why your tall friends do this, it's because we're just trying to figure out if there's anywhere better that we can go to get a little bit more room. So we're all just sort of scanning while we're talking. Uh, and then the biggest table in the place gets up and leaves and no one notices. And we just, mo- we just moved on it. And that was our table. And from where we were sitting, we were so absolutely insulated in that even if shit was going off on the road, we'd probably be fine. And then on top of it, a steady stream of Irish whiskey and Irish beer well and stocked. Irish cider. They're well stocked. Constantly being sent out. So you there's, have some time. There's a smoking area if people are, are requiring yeah. cigarettes. Or it's cigars. a zombie apocalypse. You could actually have a nice smoking area and yep. be social. And we could do All some right. performances right. in the music area where we could yes. keep the verbal art of storytelling slash songs that keep could help people up. forget. Yeah, exactly. Keep spirits up. Okay. And if we had to like do a quick getaway, the Liffey is right there. Correct. Um, you do have the river as an a, out, which is usually yeah. troubling water. for zombies. They hate water. Mm-hmm. You know, if it, any any one of us could have named a bar that was on a fucking yacht, and that would be. And I also <laughs> the, something they don't talk about: zombies traditionally pretty clumsy when it comes to like moving. Yeah, cobblestone yeah. roads They're, everywhere are gonna fuck that up too. A lot yeah, of zombies gonna be tripping and falling. They will fall. Yep. Yeah. And also, there's an upstairs at the cobblestone where. Um, some of the owner's family lives and stuff. So you could kind of get up away from them, go out. But I just, for me, it's being locked for eternity, mm-hmm. trying to figure out how you're going to fight the zombies, but just with like a sick trad band to like laugh and play and cry with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, like, I, I, I had a great time laughing and crying <laughs> with those guys. I couldn't agree anymore with you. Like we could actually maintain a decent shred of humanity while sitting with yeah. the people that if we just had to lock the doors, we would have had a never-ending amount of time to talk and stories to tell and songs to sing. Like, be, I mean, honestly, because you're not only fighting against zombies, but you're also fighting against your own isolation insanity. And I feel like that 100% would track. And, you know what's funny, that, though? My, weirdly, my answer is similar, but it was an Irish pub that I found in a different city. It was, uh, I was really racking my brain. Where I would want to go, there's a bar that I would uh, we always joke around is the Winchester. They literally yeah. have a rifle over the bar that I gave them with Winchester written on it. I mean, that's how much I go hard in the paint for this bar. But it's um, uh, Billy. Have you ever been to Tallinn, Estonia? Um, no. Okay. I haven't. Beautiful I city haven't to all of our Estonia. listeners. Absolutely stunning city, and one of one of the really beautiful um, still remaining artifacts of. Um, the Hansa Merchant Empire of the 13 and 1400s is the center mm-hmm. of the city, and then it's completely okay. surrounded by communist bloc Soviet-style architecture. So it's, you can, it's, you can it's see really the balance. I've been asking that. people quite a bit lately about 
about Estonia, Lithuania, mm-hmm. Finland, like that little kind of area up there. Mm-hmm. So you've been there. I have. And awesome. When you walk, so uh, the internal part of Tallinn is old Tallinn. That's that was what what was. So the the Hansa Merchant Empire. For those of you that haven't heard of this, it was like a group of international. Uh, t- t- sea merchants that traded goods all across and they would find different capitals all around um from the middle east all the way around to northern europe uh to to swap out things so they would they would bring hard to find things to different regions and then bring it back so it increased a lot of knowledge um it also gave a lot of wealth to the cities that were deemed hansa ports Tallinn was one of those and so there's an entire inner city where the old the newest buildings are 14 or 1500s and then everything mm. else out of there when you walk through the main gates from old, from New Tallinn, which is very Soviet gray block concrete, mm. when you walk into the old city, there's a really beautiful old, what would have been like the sort of the castle guard building. And mm. there's an Irish pub in the basement of that building. I just want to say concrete. <laughs> concrete, baby. And uh, <clears throat> this place, it, because it's, it's sunken down, the only windows it has are like the little like at the very top of the ceiling, like portcullis windows. And that's it. Everything else is like three or four foot thick concrete. And I was living there. Everyone in Estonia either speaks Estonian or Russian. And if you speak one, you hate the people that speak the other because mm-hmm. they're people that were shipped in. Like it's, mm-hmm. it, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of tension there, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of the few places that I learned, I was, I was there for three weeks straight. And I was working constantly at the, at the consulate for the EU. And while I was sitting at this bar, it was the only time that I felt people from around different cultures all meeting together because every other bar that I went to was either an Estonian bar or a Russian bar. And at the Irish pub, everybody could be themselves. So it was the only place that I could go and I could mix with, yep, I could mix with people from Africa, from Mm. the rest of Europe, from Russia and Estonia sitting at the same pub. That was the place that they could go and nobody would try and start a fight because it's an Irish pub. So everybody's welcome. And that that place, I think about that on a regular basis. I think about that bar on a regular basis. Like it was, it was just this magical moment and it became kind of a safety blanket for me because I was really lonesome. I didn't know yeah. anyone. Everyone I was working with was 20 years older than me and I just needed some place that I could go and be a human. And that was the only yeah. place I found where there wasn't a language barrier and there wasn't a cultural. Politicized yeah, yeah, exactly. It was, if you were there, it was basically leave your guns at the doors, but your guns yeah. are, are your preconceived notions. Check your bullshit at the yep. door and just come on in. Correct. And, yeah, and if you were good pretty... enough to be there, then you were friends, you were family. So I feel like that would be a good place to turn the key. We'd also have some smart people from a lot of different cultures. So maybe would, somebody mm. would have some ideas for what to do. Uh, but mm. then being in the, the greater building that we were in, it's also very defensible. Yeah, there you go. Fortress of Albatross. So that would be, and then there there is a rotunda that goes up three and a half stories. So you can kind of see everything that's going on. And once again, it is close to a river. So if we do need to get out, get away. Uh, Charles, what about you? There are a lot of ways to approach this Mm -hmm. particular topic, especially because there are a lot of boxes you want to check. You want to be somewhere that you actually are among people you can trust and have camaraderie with and that are, you know, good thinkers, like you just mentioned. Um, you want to think about fortifications. You want to think about populace. Are you high? Are you low? So the way, like, it'd be easy for me to say somewhere in, like, 
Lebanon high up in the mountains because it'd be harder for more undead to reach you. But I'm gonna I'm gonna look at it like okay I'm here and it happens it pops off here I can't get on a plane like I don't have the foresight. Man, this building we're sitting in yeah. right now at Club Caraway in Minneapolis, uh, from where we're sitting because we're on the main level today. We're usually down in the in the chambers. We're sitting on the main level. Quam, if you look to your if you look to your, to your right here, these 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 doors actually can get completely shuttered by sliding walls. Oh yeah. There are sliding walls. I've never noticed that before. Completely obstruct the only entrance to this building. We've been recording here for a year, and yeah. I have never noticed that. Giant hardwood <laughs> sliding doors. It will completely obstruct the door. And Holy then the shit. actual. So we also, there's an upstairs and there's a downstairs. So if you got to go high, you can go high. If you got to go low, you can go low. There's a hidden door to get down to the basement. Uh, I mean, you know, we're giving a couple secrets away here, but I'm not telling you where it is. But there's a hidden door to get it's to the zombie. basement. And there's multiple doors between the basement and the main level. And when you're down there, it's all limestone. You're yep. surrounded. It's super comfortable. We have air filtration. There's a great a liquor selection. Yeah, game, so we'd, we'd be, be good for a while. We'd be, fine with, we'd be fine with booze. <laughs> is that a pool cigars. table behind you? It I is. I yep. some pool keys. Yeah, yeah, man. It's on the main level. There's a, there's a pool table. It's a state-of-the-art sound system. I think we could batten down the hatches in this building. If we have Hold access to minute. all three levels and we could have a very small community, not this, that I want to point out one more thing. Okay. The archways we have outside yep. of this building that both lead to the only way to get in here. Those could get blocked off and uh -huh. we'd have an entire outdoor atrium with a giant wall that's built by the Semple mansion that surrounds us. There's no way in there's, other than the fence to our left. Which there's also an underground up. tunnel that connects us to the main building the that main has building. a kitchen and we could go underground to get there. If, is... if you if you added the mansion, yeah. this could be like one of those little villages that they stumbled into in every season, every one of the 41 seasons of The Walking Dead. Of The Walking Dead. One of the cities that seemed like, this could never fail, and then they find a way to fuck it up. This yeah. would be one of those little towns. Yeah, Billy, the next time you're <laughs> back in the States, if you make it to the Midwest, we're, we're dragging you through here. Like Club, Please, Club dude, Caraway is one of the most magical buildings. I really... I really love Minneapolis, as you know, man. I would love to come and stay. I'd like to stay for a week. Yeah, man. There's just a oh, lot. Yeah. There's a we lot. Love to have I would you. like. I, I oddly, speaking of culinary stuff and zombies, I really love the food in Minneapolis. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like it's a sleeper. Like I don't think people really yeah. realize how good the food is there. Yeah, it's, we have a very strong food scene here, and like I'm very, I'm not a homer at all when it comes to these types of things. You know, there was a time where I thought our beer scene was really killing it. Now I think we're like we're fine. We're not bad. We're not we're not elite, but our food scene and like our cocktail scene also grew really rapidly. We were on a cut, mm. the cutting edge of of cocktails uh, in the early stages of the new age of craft cocktails. Um, I can say earnestly that our food scene uh, is stronger than some cities that have a great deal of respect for their food scenes. I'm not going to call them out, but I've been to some major cities where I'm like, man, this is okay, but we have places in Minneapolis yeah. that would whoop this place's ass. Yep. No, and I, sure. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's, I, there's a, it, it, I was reminded of it when we had a, an incredible uh, singer, songwriter, poet, writer named Dessa on our show a couple months ago. 
and she was talking about how everybody thinks it's illustrious to look at all the cities that she's been to while playing. But in essence, the only experience you get in that city is who comes to the show and maybe what the closest place for a bite to eat to the venue is. You don't really get to like actually get to be in the fabric of everything. And I, when she said that, I immediately thought about some of the things that we've talked about where you've been to so many places, but did you get to like experience that place? You know, good question. it's a different, obviously it's a different, you were there for work and you were, and you did the work. And yeah. Sometimes you just had a disadvantage. That's just not going to be solved without someone walking you in. Yep. You know, I think that's why that Dublin experience, Simon walked me in. It was amazing. I was, I was on my motorcycle summer before last. I think I'd made it down to Croatia and I got to this place called Pula and it has a big Coliseum there and really cool, man. Like just genius, you know, and, it, and unlike the one that you would see in Italy, um, you just sit in and you're like, this is, you're allowed to go in there. Yep. Like it's like free reign Roman ruins. You could, and I'm uh, like, I know there's some lovely people, lovely conversations. I just don't know where they are tonight. And I'm here for one night. Yep. And that happens so much where you're just like, just don't, it's people, you know, people really make it. Like, you know. But maybe that's as you've shifted more to a storyteller as well as being a musician. Maybe this is where mm. it's time for those stories to breathe as you're traveling yeah. more and experiencing more and maybe playing a little yeah. bit less. Maybe yeah. that's, maybe that's that trade off. I mean, I, I don't want to, I'm, I'm selfish as fuck here. I don't want to imagine a time where I didn't get to hear your bellow coming off the stage, but at the same time, <laughs> I'm so happy to have had the sitting in a pub, having random Irish people grill us for being oh, Americans yeah. and, and spinning. They it loved way. us by the end. They of were hating they us did. a little bit. Come on, we got, if, you the hearts of the people. if you can't get down with you and me, I really kind of question, do you even enjoy yeah. this? <laughs> I would love, love to tell you, man. Well, you just said it reminded me of a uh, ball back in, in Lebanon as well. Old oh, Roman wow. Because there was a, believe it or not, there's a lo- Roman occupation in Lebanon as well. <laughs> Imagine that. These like giant, beautiful ruins that you just wow. fucking walk through like they're yours. That's, just, I'm like, just looking at all these pictures that yeah, are cycling it, through on his phone. That's incredible. It, it's monolithic, literally and figuratively. We got it. Charles, when I come, I want to hear, I want to be debriefed on all things Lebanon, man. All things, I really, yeah, I, I would yeah. love to hear about it. Yeah, it'd be my pleasure. And the, the reason I even exist in this community is because of, uh, you know, when the Lebanese civil war happened and the diaspora occurred and, and people shot in all different directions, there was a community of mm-hmm. Lebanese people in the Twin Cities and my father's cousin lived here and said, hey, the road is the roads are paved with gold, you should come here. And then he went from being a, a politician and a school principal to being a, a janitor, but he they found sanctuary mm-hmm. here and then, you know, built a life of some sort and then I, I built, a, 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 I guess, subjectively an even better life the reason I'm here is because of that. So there's a good, there's a good amount of uh, a Lebanese community here mm-hmm. in the Twin Cities as well. Good, mm-hmm. good Lebanese restaurants and um, it's a uh, yeah, it's a cool, cool place. But yeah, of course, I would love to talk to you about Lebanon. And Quam keeps telling me that he's coming with me to Lebanon. So we'll see if that happens. Charles has had that experience that I'm sure everybody out there who who has family or a loved place far away where everybody says they want to go and then they don't go. And I am nefariously the one who says he's going to go and then I just go do the thing. Because, again, there's always another story around the corner. There's always Mm -hmm. another night of bonding and singing and and whatever. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that is an area of the world that I have not... Uh, I have not experienced it's yet. Unique. And mm-hmm. I have yet to find an area of the world where I haven't found 
music and I haven't found great conversation. And I just desperately, mm. if I'm going to go, I want to go with somebody who I love very much, who also has become a, a, a teller of stories in my world. Yeah. You know, much mm. in the same way that you are, Billy. Like, and it's, it's a good place mm. to have a companion that can speak the language. Especially yeah, if yeah. you're coming to like patroon with me, you need, I mean, you can't just, you can, it's just very difficult. You'd be yeah. like, yeah, I'm going to Patroon. Yeah. I had a friend that I went to high school with who went to a wedding that was, this is like five years ago. He went to a wedding that's like four blocks from where my condo is. Whoa. Because there's this resort right on the beach, like just down the hill from where my condo is located. And it blew my mind that he got there somehow. Like, how did you, he lives in Madison now. But he's like, yeah, I'm going to this resort in Patroon for a wedding. I'm like, dude, that's like right by my condo. First of all, how the fuck do you know somebody right. that's having a wedding in Batoon on the beach? And secondly, like, hey, man, salute. Some people are just that good at traveling, you know? Billy, you're probably that some good are. at traveling. Some people just, like, can, they can just get where they, they just can get there. But some people are intimidated. There's a lot of gradients there. Well, I don't. You know, it's I don't want to go. T- I don't want to go too far into that because that's going to oh. jump what I'm. What my last question is. Okay. Well, let's so do five. Let's I do. I do want to time out on that one because we're going to come back to that, Billy. So okay. number five is um, one of the things that I really enjoy. Uh, so I'm going to count you as in the room with us, Billy, because you know okay. we're, we're here sure. in the room. Um, yeah. The last and only other time that the three of us have been in a room together was when you played here. And um, mm. n- not to be too much I was of a there. Downer. I was there. I don't know if you know yeah. that, but yeah. I was at that He show. was, he was right, sitting yeah. just down I for me. So in the time okay. of, of talking to you about coming and then actually booking you, uh, my, my brother had passed away in a, in a car accident. Yeah. And um, the first album that, not realizing, by the way, that I had already heard Pella, but didn't know that that was mm. also you at the time. The first time that mm. I thought I knew who you were was when mm. Risey Sunken Ships came out, which also dealt with mm. the passing of your brother. And yeah. I will admit that I had done the bare minimum of mental health work on myself up until the point where I lost my brother. And so what I wanted mm. to talk about with both you and with Charles here, who has also gone through um, a, a, a great amount of work to like make himself a little healthier and work on that. Okay. When did you realize that like mental health care needed to be a part of your regiment? And then from there, how has that grown to where you are right now? And that doesn't have to be specifically about any loss or anything. Um, I was just using that as like a, a point of where I realized that just listening to music with, from, other people who have been through nasty shit maybe wasn't mm-hmm. maybe wasn't gonna do it all for me. Maybe I needed <laughs> maybe I needed to kind of work out a little bit more stuff. <laughs> you know, like up your game, right? Like up like that, like I can't I can't game. I can't walk watch a workout video and then be like, oh, I think I'm in shape now. You know, like <laughs> you actually have to do the work yourself. Otherwise, it doesn't really work out. <laughs> That's great, man. You know, it, I, I remember a um, basically before I before I got signed and the band thing took off, I had been playing for years in an indie band, Pela, and uh, but I was working in bars as a bartender, and uh, I, I, I after Jim passed away, I just I remember having this conversation with my friend, uh, a childhood friend, where it was like six months had passed, and I remember telling him like. Dude, I just don't feel right, man. Like something like I don't I just don't feel right. Like I'm not functioning properly. I feel weird. And uh and I remember he said, Bro, you might not feel right for another year. Mm-hmm. And and when he said that to me, 
I think it really showed me the scope of it. And I think when he said that, because I really trust the guy, he's a dear friend, I was like, okay, I need to change some shit. And what I did was I quit working at the bar. I quit drinking. Um, I quit basically socializing. I kind of had, it's really interesting as you probably went through, when somebody, when you have a tragedy like that and somebody gets taken away from you, at first, everybody wants to like rush in and what can I do? But then the inner circle that makes it past that first rush of actual hands on the, all hands on the pump, like inner circle, your nuclear family, like your close people, they're in there. And then there's another wave of like your ex-girlfriend or your, the, the, your friend's dad or the blah, blah. And it goes out these concentric circles till it's just the guy you work with or your neighbor. And it's, I think what happens is it gets so crowded and it's so clumsy for people grieving and with death that a, a reverse vacuum effect happens to where your phone doesn't ring yep. at all. I totally and you, I don't know if you, you've been through that too. It's like, it's almost like, not, no pun intended, but it's kind of a graveyard. You're yep. like, what am I, skip mm. over here? Like, no one's checking on me. Like, I, I, yeah. it's, I, I, it kind of like everyone comes on kind of, I don't want to say hot and heavy, but I'm being funny. Like, people kind of come on hot and heavy, like wanting to help you through stuff for about two weeks. And then they've done their bit. They brought you some flowers. They checked in on you. They brought you some casserole, and they're out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's funny. This used to happen to me. Like, the bigger rooms that I played, like the big theaters and stuff, I gave, like, explicit um directions like a request to my tour manager it's like dude don't let anybody back here before the show yeah like, we you know like i just don't i don't want to be shaking hands and kissing the babies before the show like i'm happy to do it after just give me my space but then he was so good at shutting it down i would get kind of lonely back there i'm like Jesus Christ, <laughs> this is like 2500 <laughs> I fucking probably just fucking smoking here by myself. I didn't know who even care. Is anybody like, out just, there? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a reverse thing that I was like kind of lonely and wanted to. It's actually funny, but same thing. Someone passing away. It's like it's it, it's such a, a visibly clear time where yeah. you're not right. That kind of people past that nuclear place that sheds off like a panel off of the space shuttle, and then your nuclear people can only really do so much. Yeah. And they peel off and then you put yourself three, four months in. And I remember one time there's this band called Gaslight Anthem. Yeah. And they're great. I had paid, it was before Jim passed away. We went on tour. My band went on tour with them and Brian had reached out personally and liked the band. And he asked if we wanted to go out and everything was going great. And then this all happened and I, I lost, Oh, that was another thing. My band broke up right. in the same two weeks. So I was like, I went from my identity as like, I'm, I'm a band guy and then no band. And then, so I heard that someone texted me, Holy shit. I'm at this like street fair thing. Um, Brian Fallon's here. How cool, man. And I was like, Holy shit. Like falling out of bed, putting my boots on, trying to get myself together to like rush down there. I don't know what I thought I was going to tell him. But I think in some weird way, I never did find him, but I could grab his his lapel and say, hey, man, like I need something. I need something. I don't know if it's a hug or a co- co-write a song with me or to let me open for you. Or I just need I, any because uh, all the menu of things I have that I'm trying to help myself with, they're not working. And music's the thing that I know. 
and maybe we can I can find my way back to myself that way. That didn't happen. I didn't find Brian. Um, and I think I emailed him. I think he ghosted me. It was a weird time. And actually, oddly, Scott Hutchinson yeah. did write back and that started, but that's not the moral of the story. The moral of the story is that I had to basically start doing everything differently. And I started working with disabled people yeah. up in Harlem, taking the train out there, Roosevelt Island, going out there, looking after people in this trippy old scary new york like asylum type place stop drinking i remember when i when i had a feeling that i was going to be okay i think that was the question yeah i was sitting a friend of mine eric eric's him and his wife it was um her grandfather pap who everyone knows i loved he was a world war ii soldier bless him um fought the bad guys and i used to just like a little boy just sit next to him at, at gatherings and ask him to tell me stories and listen to him. I loved the guy. He was starting to lose his marbles, um, dementia. And he needed a caretaker and the family wanted to go on a holiday. So they said like, Billy, do you want to come watch Pap for a couple of weeks? I said, absolutely. So I went there and I cooked for Pap and I spent time with Pap and Pap was, Pap probably lived for maybe not even a year after that. But what was amazing was the man's dignity and he would, I would cook for him, usually spaghetti, and he would wear a tie and sit across the table at the head of the table, and we would eat in silence. He would have one glass of wine, like some cheap Carlos Rossi kind of wine. He's a gentleman, part in his hair, and he would sit there, and I would talk to him, and he was like navigating and negotiating his final thought processes of the last year of a person's mental Faculties, the, the last part of your mind working right. It was starting to diminish, and he had been kind of sneaking out of the window, and they found him walking around on the property, and he was losing it, you know. And I was sitting there, and I remember I still needed I still needed an older person. Mm. I still needed guidance. Yeah. Even though I had done all this work to try to, like, change things, I wasn't going to the bars. I wasn't. I quit bartending. I was driving a truck for a living. I, I, had, I really turned it around. And I was working with disabled folks. And I remember I was like, Pat, I'm just scared, you know? And I, I, I hope I don't start crying talking about it, but I'm just scared. And I, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I, who I am if I'm not playing music. I don't know what to do. I'm getting older. I'm 30. I don't, I don't know what to do. And he looked at me and he's like, I've gotten to know you. You're going to be okay. Oh. And I, I I actually hope I don't start crying, but I really, I looked at him like, are you positive? Because mm-hmm. I, I really, I really want to believe you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, he's, and, and I can't believe that I'm going to be okay because I just fucking went to a prison yeah. and like picked up my brother's underwear and a fucking bracelet from a penitentiary and like my family doesn't end up okay so please don't lie to me right now like if, if i'm like i need someone to be honest with me so i could try to survive and try to take care of myself and, and survive this and he just said i know you and you're gonna be okay Damn. and i looked down at my spaghetti he was like fuck <laughs> wow yeah. uh yeah and I... an 88 year old man yeah like you, just, you needed he to was hear it. right some hand on my shoulder because yeah. like those those the nuclear 
family and the friends and the, the scene and the, and the indie rock community and everyone did what they could, but you can't hold someone's hand. It just didn't go away as fast as it, I wanted it to. And so even a half a year later, I was still pretty, pretty banged up. And, and it took this, this old guy that I admired so much. I asked him once, what, what did Nazis look like? He said, I, I don't know. I was too busy ducking. They were shooting at me. <laughs> <laughs> He fought with Germans in North Africa. He was a lovely guy, but um, oh, my grandfather yeah, was down there with him. Yeah, I uh, can I add a, a layer to that? Uh, I I also was just uh, blinking back tears. I've I've never I've actually never said this out loud, and you and I have never talked about this. But uh, the two songs that got me through losing my brother were "Book of James" and uh, "Smoke" by Brian Fallon. Uh, I, I still, if I can like, if I have my library on shuffle and I catch that song just randomly, uh, I, I will literally have to like get myself back together and, and take a deep breath. Yeah. And I had no idea that there was even an overlap with you two. And that's like, again, yeah. the power of music, like that, that kind of fucks so me up. wild, right? But the, those yeah, were, no, but your two voices I, were the ones no. that kind of helped guide me out of that to remind myself that the people who wrote these songs are still here and you can hear how much yeah. they love the person who's not there. And if yeah. they can do that, then why can't I, and what do yeah. I need to do to get out of that? And I didn't want to, I, Charles, I'm sorry. I didn't want to jump that. No, Cause I want to ask you that same all. question, but I was, <laughs> I was very much not expecting you to bring up Brian Fallon. That was, I've, sorry, that I've was never just, told that story before, but wow. That was, that's fucking wild. Man. Yeah. It, because that they were doing so well at the time. And that tour that we did with them was through the Midwest. Yeah. And it was, they were probably doing 1800 cap rooms. Yeah. It was the 59 sound. That tour. was literally, and, I was at that for, show at first half. Yeah. That yeah. it, so he, he reached out out of nowhere and just like, I love, I, I love what you're doing. And would you like to come? I think I came down and saw their show and hung out with them a little bit. It was lovely, but I don't know what I was hoping to find, but when you're in a, a hole like that yeah. and because back that's the myspace generation it's like you'd go to the page and it would be like your song and your whole presentation was like ta-da and if no one if you didn't have a band and people weren't like come be a part of our tour you were kind of like off the grid yeah and i really didn't want to be off the grid and brian i think was a notable person that had independently found me and, and invited me along so i think i was trying to say like you care like, I don't want this to go, I don't want it to end like this. Can yeah. we do something? Can you help me? And I never found him. Oh, man. Okay, so to, to reframe that question, now, that was then. Now, here you are in, in Geneva, Switzerland. Like, how, yeah. how has your routine changed as, as you've mm. aged, as you've gotten mm. time and distance from tragedy, but also as you've, yeah. as you've learned more vocabulary, yeah, vocabulary for yourself? Like, yeah. how, how has that changed now to, to where you're at now with your routine? Well, I think it's interesting because you, I've been to the rodeo, you know, and I remember like even at these, you know, just charming, unbelievable rock and roll lore places, um, uh, Brixton Academy, uh, Abbey Road, uh, um, just Sunset. Set sounds or God was it? Yeah, I think that was something in LA. Yeah, um, some really the, the TV places like um, 
you know, Letterman was cool, but like what was cool about that stage is that, ladies and gentlemen, the, that was the same stage. Yeah. That sound stage was the old, the old um, Sullivan show. Yeah. It's, so, it's also like his exuberant joy after you guys yeah. got done is one of my oh, favorite wow. things. Like I have absolutely no reason to feel proud about his reaction to you guys because I had nothing <laughs> to do with it, but it makes me, every time I show that video to friends, it makes, that's my favorite part of it is it's you guys so cool, crush it. Man. And then you hear yeah. him come out and like, it was like he was giving that speech from his heart. It's so wild. Yeah. Like David fucking Letterman. Oh. Yeah. And so I, I guess when, if you, if you're in a place where you're like trying to recover with mental health, and if I'm honest, you know, we were talking about Scott a little bit earlier. Um, I was kind of wondering if, if, if Billy or Grant would start playing again, of which they both are now. Mm-hmm. And, and if they started a year after or a year and a half after a new band, it, it would have probably been too soon. I, Rob said that to me once that like, I think this all just happened a little too soon, man, mm-hmm. for you. Cause I wasn't healed up. You know, I really wasn't healed up and, but it was time waits for no one and certainly not yeah. in the music world. So, but I, how it was very, very surreal. It was very vindicating. Um, and I was so, can you imagine like being alone in Harlem or on the train or with pap or in my apartment being broke and, and just how good it felt to when people started coming. Yeah. Like I wanted to shake their hand. I yeah. wanted to thank them. And I tried so hard. That's what they're going out in the crowd and, um, literally like, like a pastor, like waiting near the door at the back of the show and saying goodnight to everyone. Like I was, I just wanted them to, I wanted to have equity with them that like, we had a night, like if this goes away, I want you to remember this night because you never fucking know, you know, you never know what could happen. And, and those, it was very important for me to, to reflect that my appreciation back to everyone everybody that came out there's to our listeners out there there's uh, one of my most cherished photos of all time was a reporter from our local paper here the star tribune uh snapped a picture at the show at seventh street entry the very first time that i saw augustine's and uh at the end of the show uh billy and eric came out into the crowd and were playing acoustically and the reporter took a picture because it was pitch black in there. I don't know if you remember that. Like that room is yeah. oppressively dark. The walls are black. The floor is black. The ceiling's black. The stage is black. Everything's black. And they didn't have any lights aimed out really into the, the crowd. And you guys came out there and he took a flash photo. And I am like two and a half feet away from you just like mm. screaming the lyrics at the top of my lungs because yeah. that experience, like that also was healing for a lot of us in the crowd because I think mm-hmm. a lot of us that were there felt some of those lyrics and mm-hmm. to have it not be on a stage, to have it be something that was uh, interactive was, it was such mm-hmm. a, a wild mind fuck. And I, mm. I, I still just, I cherish that photo very much. So it's very, it's very interesting, man. Like you, you'll see. So for example, a friend wants to buy a house. They don't really have the money for it. They're kind of mulling it back and forth. They're looking at the market. They're looking at the way things are going. They're looking at inflation and they scrape together and you support them and you don't know if it's a great idea, but they buy it. Then you go over there and visit them and then you hang out. And then that's the place where you go for New Year's from now on. Right. And, you know, pretty soon they're out there. They've added a garden. They've got tomato plants. Things are going good. And then at some point you sit there and you go, and Jesus Christ, 
I didn't know if this was a good idea. Yep. And look what it's yielded. Yep. Look at this cohesive, safe, beautiful place where we could all be with each other. You made this brave thing, this brave decision to go and, and, and risk everything and try to do this because you can't, it came to you in your mind that this was the best use of your capabilities and that you wanted to build something for yourself. And now look at, we're all, in, we're yeah. all here. We're all participating with you and thank God you did that. Yeah. And, and it's so funny because the music and the band and everything is very similar to that. It was like, I don't know, man, you're in your thirties. Like, do you really want to be a rookie Roy Hobbs? Do you really want to go out? You really want to, you really want to go start this shit up? All, why don't we just why don't yeah. we go take some night classes? Like, and, and then there we are sitting on a tour bus, you know, parked out in front of wherever Dublin, you know, playing, playing Vicker street and just be like, I'm, kind of glad you I, I told you not to do this but i'm glad you did yeah fucking a right is it uh, I, can i eat some of your hummus <laughs> I'm, just, I'm kind of drunk uh as a kickback from like five minutes ago it occurs to me that uh when billy referred to uh scott and 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 bill and graham uh grant uh we were talking about fright frightened rabbits a, a band that yeah. means very much to us uh that's yeah. just god this uh, it's wild to think about all of that but uh but also, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very, I'm glad that we're having this conversation now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's strange. Like it, it, what, get, what tickles me about it is it was one thing to be in those nights, mm-hmm. you know, to be, to have those nights where I was standing on stage with this fella singing in the same mic with him, or he was playing guitar with my band. That was this, kind of how the hell did we how did we pull this off i cannot believe we're still going and that this is all happening finally and then there's this guy there and then there's billy and um there's everybody and we're in these nights you know i remember one time we played in like buffalo new york or upstate god and it was such a small place that their giant frightened rabbit banner didn't even really spell <laughs> fr it looked like two lines in like a bubble it was like the top of it, it was such a small face but like we played it was a 38 date tour with yeah. them you know that was there was a lot of a lot of um a lot of shows and yeah. it was it, i remember thinking this is fucking magical like a that he was kind enough to give me his time when I wasn't doing good before everything started and listened to the record and gave me some advice and came out like and watched our first show. And when just was absolutely wonderful Mm -hmm. uh, to me. And I remember feeling it was such magic and God, as time has moved on, Scott's not here. Augustine's aren't here. Probably a lot of people in our scene, this kind of, lyrical folk rock stompy sing-along kind of that era's changed we're into something else and i'm thrilled when i see people it's so validating to see people how how much regard they hold him in because uh because it equals the magic that i felt in those moments it makes sense it's like a footprint it's a mighty footprint that 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 not just scott but Everybody working together, being around, and that kind of little, those, those, those. I don't know. I'd see ten bands in that little mm-hmm. world doing that kind of music, um, on different sides of the pond. Like that, that music has changed since then. And I'm, it, I felt like fuck. 
this is fucking crazy magical. Mm -hmm. And like, as it turns out, it was, it was, it wasn't just me. And it's, it's fun. Like for me as a fan of both, you know, we lost, we lost Scott in 2018 and it's really wonderful to see how many of my friends around the world, you know, uh, I think Billy, you got to see it. I was involved in a video project that involved people from 74 different countries and watching all of them find your music has also been incredible because I've watched other people on their journey with mental health. And a lot Mm. of times it starts with finding somebody who makes you feel like you're not the crazy one. A lot of times it (laughs) it starts with finding other people that have, that have said something that you've thought or have sung something that you've said or have performed something that you've read. It makes Mm. it like when you're not alone and you realize that you're a part of a community it allows yeah. you to then realize that your brain is telling you that you're alone because that's what the disease wants. But it wants, yeah. but the, the antidote to that is realizing that you're not alone and then going from there. I think that's why, I mean, I was just telling these kids in Canada, this at these schools is just like, feel, you see something, feel something, say something yeah. like, like the, the only way this shit can win is if if you're locked away being emo as fuck in your bedroom and you don't tell anybody that it starts getting weirder and weirder and weirder. Just tell somebody. Doesn't yeah. tell the bus driver. You know, don't choose a total knucklehead, but tell somebody because um, I couldn't. I couldn't. I can't believe that that took him out. You know, but I understand. I yeah. see how it could because I've seen it all over the world, um, and. I just, yeah, it's funny. I just saw, uh, what's his name from SNL? Bill. Bill Hader. Not Bill Hader. Not Bill Hader. The other guy. He, <laughs> he's the tall, goofy. Maybe it isn't Bill. Is it Will? Will Ferrell? But he just was a, it's not Will Ferrell. He, he, um, <laughs> he did the running man. Bit, oh, like Jason Sudeikis. He, Jason Sudeikis. Yeah. Sorry. All you had to say was Jason. running man. And I was with you on that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Um, anyways, he was just speaking at the White House um, with Kamala Harris, mm-hmm. not five days ago, talking about mental health. And he's like at the podium, and there's the crest and everything. And he's Jason Sudeikis is talking, he's literally verbatim what I was saying to those kids in Canada. Literally verbatim what I was saying ten years ago to the BBC. It's I'm really happy to see that it's growing. Like it's everything. I'm, sure. You know, oddly, I'm still fucking, I'm still on the front lines of this shit. You know what podcast I listen to? Oddly. Not a military guy. Right. Not a military guy. Um, not a sharpshooter, not a SEAL, not a commando. For some reason, I started listening to this these stories of these guys coming back from Iraq and from Afghanistan, sure. PTSD. Yeah. And literally watching them try to recreate themselves, transition, but also reaching out when it's a machismo thing. Yeah. And it's like like that you had this shit on lock man are you, are you strong are you a marine like that kind of stuff yeah and then like people you know suicide man and so it's like, like still a part of my it life all together nope any admission of yeah. weakness is a fault i mean like charles like sure. i i feel like uh you know billy and i are not the same human by any means but we're both like incredibly extroverted when it comes to us talking about things and maybe sometimes oversharing like where does that sit with you how how has your like journey been through that? Um, yeah, I mean, w- without going obviously too much in, in, into my background, uh, we've talked on this program in the past, and actually it was a big step for me, and I brought it up in therapy that admitting that I go to therapy 
I don't know why. It was like a societal construct. It was difficult to even state. Sure. Like, it wasn't necessarily that it was difficult for me to state. It was almost that it was um, it, almost a faux pas that you're not supposed to say as a man that you're in therapy. Mm. But the second I said it, it was like a great weight lifted off my shoulders and almost like um, a tool to help me advocate for that mm. for everyone, not yeah. just men, but especially for, for men. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I've, I've had a lot of, you know, experiences that have imbued me with, you know, PTSD and, and, um, had a lot of loss and things like that. And I've discovered through this last year of, um, being in therapy that, uh, I thought that I'd, I had pulled myself up by my bootstraps because that was what I led myself to believe in that society led myself to think that the, the panacea was to my particular disease was you can do it yourself. And I think I did a good job of it. Yeah. Perhaps too good of a job of it to the degree that I thought I was fine because I couldn't see the subcutaneous um, discoloration of my blood. Like I didn't know how mm. much pain was still there because mm -hmm. when I looked in the mirror, I thought I was better than I was before. It's like, I did it. I did it. No one helped me. I did it. I think it was what finally led me to understand that I needed help, that I needed someone to put their hand on my shoulder and tell yeah. me, you're fine, was a uh, lockdown. I had a period where I lost four people in the space of... Oh, space of a couple months yeah, that was brutal we just had the three-year anniversary of the passing of my uncle kareem it was my my aunt um jacqueline's husband uh then i had my my only actual blood uncle that i have any contact with antoine passed from covid um wow. my one of my best friends if, if not perhaps my best friend mike finally uh, passed away after a long battle with MRSA and then my estranged father passed away and this was all in the space of like two months while the fucking pandemic was happening and so I couldn't process any of it I just was like okay and you know like made a little another check mark in my notebook but it wasn't really until I went began going to therapy over this last year that we put the pieces together between you know my therapist and myself that like and I've endured in volume alone a great deal of loss throughout my life. And I think that, like, part of me pulling myself up on my bootstraps was telling, uh, uh, conditioning myself to not be affected anymore. And I'm still dealing with that. So yeah. I still, like, when I, I'm trying to learn to grieve properly instead of what I trained myself to do when you're supposed to grieve, which is to not grieve. Which is, yes, you love that person and you can think fondly upon them, but don't let it destroy you because you're strong and only you can protect yourself. But now, <laughs> via this great gift of therapy that is available to all of us, I am able to discover that, fuck, you know what? I think that um, that was like uh, being 22 and punching a hole in the drywall. And then mm -hmm. putting a piece of cellophane over it and spackling it. Yep. It, it, my, mm -hmm. You know, I don't want my life to be a hole full of walls that I punch holes through after drinking a case of Nicole yeah. and Life. Mm -hmm. Nicole and Light and putting a piece of cellophane over it and spackling it. I want to, like, build a new wall that's stronger than the one that I could punch a hole through. You can't live on paper mache, <laughs> man. 
Well, that's yeah. Right. So you know, yeah. it's it's uh. It, it wasn't easy to get there and it, it wasn't denial. It was that I couldn't understand what talking about myself could do to help to make myself better than I thought I had already made myself. And part of that is mm. also like, um, my number, my number one problem is humiliation. I can't, I don't like talking Sorry. about myself to somebody else in that, um, context because I feel like it's selfish to do so. But I'm learning mm. that, like, that in and of itself is a defect that I need to repair. Fact. So I'm going to stop it right there. But the fact that I was, I brought myself to that point, and even though I sat there and I kind of had, like, one eye turned, like, hmm, <laughs> the thinking man, like, I don't know if. The dubious. Yeah, I suspect that, yeah, your, your, uh, your vocation is not a real thing. But <laughs> I got, I broke through that and like now, you know, uh, about a year in, I'm like, wow, okay, I yeah. fucking needed this all along and I couldn't see it. And now I'm, I'm glad that I understand it. And I hope that, you know, maybe you hear my voice and you've been thinking about it or not thinking about yeah. it or you tried and failed. I want you to know that it, it can work, I think, for everyone. Absolutely. I think it can work for everyone because I didn't see any way it could work for me. And it's, it's working. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage you to try, just try, just try. Okay? Even if you think that you're that 1% or 0.01% or what have you, that it doesn't work for, please just try. Okay. Just give it, give it a shot. Just roll the dice. Even if it's one session out of pocket, hundred bucks, just try it. Cause maybe, maybe that one session will make you say, I need to do two sessions. And then maybe the second one I'll say, I need to do five. And maybe that one I'll say like, wow, where has this been all my life? Mm-hmm. I, can, can I piggyback on that? And yeah, say please something? do. I also think just raising your hand and making a declaration that I'm trying things different. I did it my way. I did it as long as I could my way, and it didn't yield the harvest that I really wanted to. Yeah. And I'm saying out loud what I'm struggling with. Yeah. I find across the board with everybody that does that that I've ever known, whenever they raise their hand visibly, another person will clock it that's going through something similar. It's almost like a like an antenna. And then you, that's what I'm kind of listening to these podcasts with these soldier guys is like, they come back and they, they actually start saying it out loud. And then they're in a room full of guys that are saying it out loud. Then they're playing, you know, go out fishing with guys that are saying it out loud. They're going camping. Like they, they're not alone anymore. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, that's what the gremlin need yucky boogeyman shit likes is when you're alone and defenseless. That's and it. Honestly, Billy, that's it. And that, that's where my answer would be the same is that part of it started with, like seeking professional help. And that Mm -hmm. definitely added to it because I looked at one of my best friends on earth and said, I literally don't feel anything right now. And that's the only thing that I used to hang my hat on is that I felt all the feels and I had gotten to a point where I didn't feel anything. And I really meant it when I said it and he was mortified and I literally didn't care because I was at that point in my own spiral and part of it was working on myself privately, but also part of it has been raising that hand where when, when I experience a loss, when I experience anything traumatic, I also then write about it. And mm. I, it, for, I don't care if some people may think this is arrogant. I, I really don't care. My social media, I try to use it as a, a user end benefit. So I kick out what I need to kick out and then every now and then I harvest it for like whatever joy that I want. But it's, it's very much an online journal for me. 
And the times where I don't want to talk about something are the times that I feel like it's most important to write about it. And I mm. post it. And what it's done for myself intellectually is it helps me get something off of my brain that once I write it out, like I very clearly mean it. I will write a long form essay about this is something that means something to me. And then I send it out. It's like, okay, now I've sent it to a stranger. Now I've also sent it to uh, like the generic world at large. But then on top of that, there's a chance that maybe somebody else that doesn't feel as comfortable with a written word or as comfortable sharing uh, any uh, sadness, however you want to classify it. They don't want to share anything that could maybe be viewed as weakness. And yeah. for whatever reason, I've been given the mild superpower of <laughs> not really caring and just wanting to share everything. And it's wonderful. honestly, it's two sides because it's, it's self-serving in the healthiest way possible that I can write something out and throw it out. And once I've said it to thousands of people, I can feel like I'm being honest that I can't hide from anyone. And then on the flip side, there's a little bit of me that hopes that somebody else can see that. So it helps you, but you, you're like, it might also, it might help somebody else. And it's good if, enough that it helps you. Yeah. It might also it's great you. enough that it helps me. But if there's a chance that it helps somebody else, given the amount of people that have weighed in, whether knowing that they were or weren't helping me, along the way, whether it's a song from you, Billy, or it's mm. something that Charles shares on a podcast, or it's something that I read randomly posted online. I'm only where I am because other people have decided to share what they've gone through. I really truly believe yeah. that if that hadn't happened, if I hadn't found all these songs, I don't know if I'd be here right now or not. And so to yeah. me, that's, that's part of it. And then the hope is that if you kick that out, it's not like virtue signaling. It's literally saying we can all do this. You can all just share that I'm, I'm having a tough time and I want to be better or this person is no longer here and I want to take a second and give them flowers. And the more that we celebrate that, like Charles and I have had a thing for a long time. I can't remember if I ever told you about this, Billy, but we hashtag celebrate everything. Like you don't have to wait until the perfect moment to open that bottle or to go to that dinner. Like just... <laughs> Just accept the fact that, hey, this is, it's a pretty lucky life where we're at right now. And you should just, celebrating that alone is worth it. And that's yeah. also factored into it that's is allowing about, myself joy. Yes. It's another thing about like that feeling of um, having to push back against the feeling of like um, selfishness. Yeah. Is use the 18 year balsamic. Yeah. You know, pop, pop the bottle of Mutard Perry and Phil's. Uh, oh, birthdays, I'm too old. You know, I'm pat 40 was a big one, but I can't celebrate 41 or 44. No. Do you want to see your people and, and regale in, in memories and enjoy beverages with them? Then tell them to meet you at the fucking bar. Absolutely. Like celebrate everything, everything. People who during the pandemic got court married and were like, too late no man if you really Fuck. want to and we've had people that we know that were affected by us saying that in that time and then ended up doing it we had people that are listeners of this show that said that you pushed us to have a reception Damn later right. because we got court married and thought we missed our shot but hey we love each other and that's all that matters but deep down inside we were in denial because we wanted to be with our people and we decided because we heard you say don't let the moment pass you by just because the moment isn't the the moment yeah and that's isn't that like what shouldn't we be preaching that like 
self-celebration and celebrating the people around you. Freud and she's, Freud. She's joy. If, if, if sadness doesn't care about the moment that it arrives, if tragedy doesn't care about the moment that it arrives, then why the fuck should we define happiness and joy by what moment will allow it to arrive? <laughs> the designated right? happy time. Yep, like, oh, uh, yeah. All right, all right. Especially the anniversary of it. Exactly. Right? the anniversary of something horrific doesn't care that it's, it's – it, sometimes it does, but it doesn't necessarily care that it's day and day. You could just right. be – could be a fucking Tuesday morning yep. and you could have a latte and you could think about your friend who used yep. to love lattes. So, yeah. so why can't you think about your friend who likes dirty martinis while you're sitting at a bar yeah. and say, what's up, motherfucker? Let's, let's throw a martini party. I always steal the, uh, the Kurt Vonnegut. Uh, no matter what you're doing, take a second and give yourself pause to say, if this isn't nice, then I don't know what is. And that's one of the weird, uh, my, my father and I have, as we've gotten closer now in my 40s, uh, that's one of the things that we've sort of bonded on was mm-hmm. I can send that to him and say, I'm having a nice moment and I wanted to share that with you. And I think that that's like a, that's a pretty nice, like it's a very healthy thing. Like I feel happy when I send that. And then I get a response back and it's usually a pretty re- happy response back. And it's like, hey, that right there, that's healing. That's change. Mm-hmm. That's something different. I, I honestly, I have this thought sometimes that we, we get kind of wrapped up in, in our identity, our, not in a bad sense, our ego, but like our sense of self, um, this, I'm, I'm a painter, I'm a chef, I'm a professional, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a dad, I'm a blah, blah, blah. I'm a, but like, I think all those things are add-ons after you're human. Yes. It's like. Yes. But I, I think that 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 trips people up the worst with therapy because it's like, well, I'm I'm the high school principal. Like they, they're 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 cock blocking yep. their own yes like yes. human state of being a human being, which human beings need a break. Yep. Like it's you didn't ask to be dropped off here. Like you're here and you're human, and if you're if you if you feel vulnerable, or banged up, or quiet, like you ain't yes. Jackson Pollock, dude. Don't go all yeah. weird and go out to you know, hold up in some studio. You're a human. Take yeah. pride in that. You're before anything got attached to you. Marine, yes. bus driver, gay, straight, stripper, whatever. Whatever. Like, Billy. You're, you're a what, human being. That's yeah. what that's what we want the show to be too. It's not yeah. it's not what are you, it's who are you. Who are you? Exactly. Because yeah. we're not exactly. talking we're not talking about like when's your next show amidst these hours yeah. of conversation, even though that's fucking cool too. Yeah. But we're trying to get the heart of the matter of like wh- what are you about? Yeah. And like, you know, yeah. it's like the color of your aura isn't green, blue, or red. It's a gradient. <laughs> it's an ombre yeah. somewhere within there. And like we're not we're not what we love. We're not what we do. We're not we our hobbies. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, indecipherable humans, what we are, you know. And it, I think, it, but I think if before you get into, wow, you live in Manhattan, I live in Brooklyn, like, oh, God, <laughs> you live out near the airport, like, your, your, your mind's, your, it's making categories and chambers yep. and yeah. court, court. Like, so I, I think sometimes when people when you talk about therapy, I, I started going to therapy too after the band I did. I went for years. And it was like, wait, wait a second, I can. Go to therapy? It's like, yeah, you can. And then I start talking to friends, like, mm-hmm. actually, Eric got me to go. And then I kind of talk to other people. And they're like, oh, I've been thinking about that. No, you, you got to try it, man. And then I'm just like, wait a second, we're all fucking human. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, and, and one thing that I learned through through going to therapy was really just empathy. Yeah. Um, and I think 
a sense of like strange justice that we put on people, give them the chair, shut their ass out, blah, 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 shut down the country. It's just, it's, it's insane. We all, we all didn't ask to come to this planet. We all got born here. We are. And let's just at least stick with the humanity part that we're human beings. And I think that if you can say it out loud, look, I throw them right. Like I said, raising that hand. Um, it's not, what are you? You're right. It's like, who, who are you? Like, well, dude, I'm a person that doesn't always have the answer. Sometimes I'm the person that it, I want to, I, my stupid pride makes me think that I can, I can figure this all out. I don't want to be the weak one. I have a, I, a lot of, a lot of things I see in people are, no, 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 no. You tell me your problem, man. No, I, I'm better with other people's shit. Like, honestly, that's, yeah. I, I, I get that. A lot of my friends are like that. Like, no, no, man, you tell me I'm, that's, I'm, when it comes to my shit, ugh, I, I don't like to lay it on people, but I'll, I'll hear yeah. you out. It's like, I've always, don't work like that. That's what part of what I'm working through in therapy is yeah. like, I, I've always I been kind of like, I can feel better by making someone else feel better. But, you know, now yeah. I'm like, God damn it, I should feel good too, right? Like, yeah. how about yeah. how about an interchange? How about, you know, like a push and a pull? How about the opposite ends of the magnet, positive and negative effect? Let's <laughs> Let's each get something here. Wasn't that the whole bit in um, Goodwill Hunting when he yeah. corners him, yeah. the shrink, and he's yep. like, yeah. uh, "Rob Moyes, like, it's not your fault. Yep. It's not your fault. It's not your fault." And the kid starts cracking yeah. because, like, I don't think people really get to hear that enough. <laughs> right. It's not. It's, it's ironic know. too that Robin Williams is the one saying that because he's like such a, a example of someone who probably needed to hear that. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's yeah. probably one of those people that made people feel good without making himself feel good because he thought it was healing him too right yeah he's like the patron saint of right or like a lot of a lot of comics you know like it's like the chris farley effect like if i make other people happy it'll make me happy but it makes you like 15 percent happy it's like having to charge your phone yeah. once a day yeah. you know like or like once an hour all day for 10 minutes i uh, I always go back to a quote. I did a, a charity event for uh, Keep the North Cold Climate Change. Uh, originally, a, a charity started by Will Steger, uh, dog sled dude. And um, Chief Tatanka Ohatiki got up and uh, gave a speech. And the last line he said is, we can watch comic book movies all we want, but as humans, our only superpower is empathy. And he walked off stage to that. And that sits with me in the bottom of my heart every single day. Mm -hmm. It's just a reminder that I have to be present and think about that because it doesn't always come easy. Like there are no, times where empathy flows. There are times where I don't want empathy. I want vengeance. I want yeah. righteous anger. But those are the cheapest, easiest emotions. Empathy is the toughest because yeah, yeah. it requires active and work. And that's a lot of catharsis yeah. in those in the empathy. You know, man, that thing that happened with the pistol, um, I was in the back of a cop car because someone identified him and the cops came and grabbed me and we, I had to go identify him. Yeah. I'm sitting in this cop car, which is not that nice, and this kid's in handcuffs. He's against the car. And the cops go off. <laughs> just go off and start talking about, like, sports and shit. Just leave this dude. And me sitting there looking at him, I was probably four feet away from him. And I just, I, was, I felt so bad for him, man. Right. Like, like that is a felony, dude. That's a decision that's that, going to affect him forever. You're not getting a passport. That's yeah. that's no Mediterranean. That's no Oaxaca. That's no sled dog race. That's no yeah. Northern Lights. Like, you fucked it, dude. Yeah. And who did, 
who who fucked you up? Right. Uh, it just it was. It didn't. It wasn't like nabbed. You know. Yeah. It just <laughs> no, no satisfaction on the, the like the Carmen San Diego. Like he's behind <laughs> bars now, and the Great Pyramids of Egypt are safe. Apprehended. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Well, all right. So to pull it back into the station, I feel like yeah. if we're talking about humanity. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you, absolutely. Okay. I think that. Uh, one of the things cheers that I'm fascinated about. Oh yeah. Also, cheers. Hey, cheers. Cheers, buddy. Gentlemen. Final topic. Um, when we're talking about, I, I didn't think we were going to get there off the last question, but talking mm. about empathy and talking about just human relations, uh, you are one of the few people we've ever had on the show that is, I think, possibly more traveled than the two of us mm. are, and mm. I am fascinated to know when you travel. Do you value blending in? Do you value being the uh, the the honest tourist? Do you value like I'm going to use other resources to kind of guide me where I'm going? Like what what is your ethos for for travel? Like where do you feel the most comfortable if you're not traveling for work? If you're just if you're out mm. or maybe you're going to have a show like once a week, but you're going to spend time. Yeah. It's 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 kind of, that's a great question. I think um, it's even Kenya has malls. Yeah. And oddly, like a Starbucks, sometimes when things are really hairy and you have a lot of needs, like maybe I, my, my reading glasses got lost on the plane. Maybe I need some, some Benadryl. Um, I, I'm down to two socks. Um, I need <laughs> batteries. Sometimes those Walmarty kind of big marketplaces, I've been to them in Hungary, I've been to Italy, I've been to Mexico. I kind of go to them a lot because it's like a one-stop place where some of the of navigating um, in a country where I don't know the language, Turkey, yeah. uh, Israel, places where you're really confused, man. Um, I think I do prefer to be the quiet person sure. you know i um so i like to be respectful um i don't like to be very loud i will say that working as a creative and everywhere i go it's always the same kind of like four block radius <laughs> so it's like you're, you know where's the coffee shop where's the grocery store where's and a bar i feel comfortable grabbing some, a pipe. you know santa monica a couple of years ago was kind of cool um i was right near i was on the same block as whitey bulger oh. The, yeah. the black mats where they've caught him like yeah. legitimately on the same block literally the black like, i sat on the bench not knowing that was his bench like he and they hated him they thought he was this like mean old man and then it turns out to be whitey bulger but like wow. I, you know but i would kind of quietly get my coffee same drill you know sit on a bench visualize stuff come up with then go home and do the work and um oaxaca was like that um recently Dublin's like that for me. I don't really wander far. And I've kind of found there's something very much like Lost in Translation, the Bill Murray movie. Yeah. There's something a bit sad trying to have a good night, like go out and have a good time when it doesn't happen. Like I've, I've stopped trying to push that boulder up the hill. I'll just kind of like have a good time just jiving the kebab guy and like being funny yeah. with him and like having, oh man, oh, like Afghanistan. That could be a day maker. Crazy. That could be a day maker, right? Like just having a <laughs> yeah. nice yeah. conversation. The Irish call it the crack. Like have a crack with those yeah. guys. And just have a nice little chat. Keep it upbeat. I, I find that the my um my 
my little wins, my my little victories are the little barbershop talks and the the yeah. kebab places and right. and maybe it just humanizing the, the the girl serving the gelato in the crappy roadside Italy place. Like those are the that's never I'm getting dressed up, I'm gonna go have a good night. It never works out. Like I it, I don't even try anymore. It's it's that's that hmm. like that's that like the bubble in the middle of the level connection that we were talking about, like uh, with empathy is if you, you feel good just from a small interaction with somebody, they do too. Yeah. You know, when you leave and you're like, you know, you feel like that, um, that bubble of like happiness well up in your chest, like a little kid yeah. that just got handed a ice cream bar. People that's like, it could, it, you could have like a very perfectly fine day and then you, or at a you know a falafel stand, and you have a conversation with someone, and you just you walk away, and you're smiling, and you know the dimples come out, and you're like, "What the fuck?" That was like a four minute conversation, but that was, you know, it can make, it's a day maker. It can make your entire day. It's, and it, it's pretty weird because you go, you know, you go quite a long stretches of time without talking to people when you're traveling. Yeah, sure. I just went through Indonesia. Yes. I don't think I talked to anybody for a couple of weeks. Like I. Really, wow. like actually sit down and really connect to someone. Yeah, like you didn't have like so a real conversation. It's yeah. it's amazing how a little bit of contact will go a long way. It might carry you. I was just in Ireland. I was in this funny mall, and there was like a little goofy, like ginger-haired kid with a big Adam's apple working at this place called Dunn's. <laughs> and I was trying to buy – it was an article of clothing. I forget what it was. And I was just goofing. You know, I was just explaining that basically <laughs> – the Saturday nights thing, I don't even attempt them anymore. My little joys are the barbershops, the kebabs, and the little the little people, right? Yes. So I'm in this place, and I'm like joking around with this kid and making a giggle because he's like bored out of his mind. I used to work at a place like that when I was a kid too. Yeah. And I was just like, man, there's no off switch on this funk. And I said this, this in my American accent to this funny kid. He's like in the middle of Kilkenny, and he looks at me he's like, you can't kill the boogie. They can't kill the boogie now. That was just so cute. It was adorable the way he said it. He's like this little weight ninety You can't kill the boogie. Yeah. You can't kill the boogie. Like the boogie man. That's good. And that that kind of shit. I I love that stuff, man. Um, oh, man. Those little those little human yeah. moments. And I think the big Parthenon or the Seven Wonders and that kind of stuff. Like it's cool. I just had a kind of a tough experience in Indonesia. Like. Um, can't blame anybody. It's kind of, um, but these, the folks there are very aggressive. Um, oh, did, did this just time out? Okay. I think it did. No, I got uh, you. Are you still there? Yeah, we're yeah, here. We got you. Oh, nice one. Anyways, basically the cabs will honk at you and follow you and in their motorcycle cabs as well. And they'll come up and like, kind of like obstruct the path and kind of cut you off. Uh-huh. And. And they want you to respond and and say yes or no to them, and it's it's very aggressive, yeah. like to a person who grew up in the West. And I went to a place that was a fifteen minute walk there and back. I counted twenty nine times someone stopped and honked at me wow. twenty nine times, and and going there and back. Oh. It was just it was, it, it was weird. I felt with. like in some part of me has gotten to a place where. It doesn't have to be civilized, civilized, civilized. I can deal with no toilet. I'm cool with that. But I can't see um, egregious um, acts of like someone oppressing another or bullying yeah. or yeah. being savage. Or um, sometimes like in the East, you know, you see some stuff like, you know, sex, uh, sexual tourism and stuff like that. It's like I, I get in, I'm 
my um, capacity to roll with it. Yeah. But I see that stuff's getting less these days. Fair. And I used to be pretty. Wow, this is. Ex- this, I remember once I was in Uganda and I was at this in this airport, and this woman was like really scared that worked there. Um, I think she was Eritrean. Yeah. Um, she might have been, or maybe maybe Ethiopian or Somalian, and she was like, basically, can you help me? And I'm like at an airport lounge, like they kind of you pay them, you know, fifty bucks and sit in a lounge all day. It was a long layover, and I was like, "Are you okay?" And she's like trembling. I'm like, "Are you okay?" And these um these fellows, they maybe either Bangladeshi or Indian, their her bosses were like looking at her. I'm like, "Is it the guys behind you?" And she's like, "Yes." I, fuck, I don't even know who right. to call. Interpol. Yeah. Like well, yeah. I'm in Uganda, man. Yeah. And it was like I saw it, and she wasn't playing around, and my my skin is very thin for that stuff because yeah. it's so i empathizing and trying to be sensitive in an acknowledgement of people the invisibles of the world like it's it's a, not a easy path no. but i think it's the only way but i mean sometimes it hurts man it hurts I mean, that's okay but i i think about that girl to this day i think i went there a decade ago yeah that's wild yeah damn so I'm not so sure Charles. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, in regard to traveling and, and a lot of what Billy said is very consistent yeah. with my experience. Um, I like to, I think we all, you know, I know, I know Quam's feelings, so I'm not sniping him. I just know what he's going to say. Like I, I do enjoy blending in, but also I think that there's a, um, there's a greater capacity for joy when you have a splendid pack of um, communication with somebody that goes really nicely when you have had a long period of time where you're not communicating with people that are just kind of surrounding you. So the best example I can say is, and it's part of the reason I love New York so much is when I'm traveling in New York city I can go like the first, I don't know, 24 hours or so. You know, you're getting settled in. You're at the airport and shit. You're in the car. Mm -hmm. You have a conversation with the Uber driver, which you would have. It's the same as like what you would have in your home city or wherever else you might be. And so it doesn't connect in the same way. It's just like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm from Minneapolis. Cool. It's cold there. Yeah, it's colder than here. It's (laughs) not cold here. It's colder where I'm from. That kind of thing. And then you go check in and then you do the like, hello, here's my card. And you do that thing. But then when you finally, whatever it is, if it's that same evening or if it's the next morning, whatever, when you start actually milling about and being a social human being for the most part, when you have that first connection, you go to, say, you know, in New York, there's this really cool, like, Japanese cafe where they do, like, really cool coffee service and they make the omu rice omelet. And sometimes when I go there, I'm the only person in there. And, you know, it's like uh, Lower East Side. And sitting at the bar, it's a beautiful place. And then the... I think I know the bar. place you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I should look up the name. but um, It is beautiful in there. So right? fucking cool. It's got like the old Japanese doors. Like Absolutely. Yeah, that place okay. is gorgeous. Yes, yes. And they make a great omu rice. And they make brilliant yes, coffee. It's funny. And they give it the old teacups. Like, and like the first terrible. time I went in there... So the first time I went in there, it was like... They were all still tired, and uh, they're not really—they're not used to people coming in early. 
and I'm by myself at the bar and just connecting um, after like the, you know, the service of the coffee and like, where's the, where's the coffee from? Oh, cool. Yeah. No, I love, yeah, I know that. I know that uh, producer and like, yeah, I no, I've had beans from that farm and you know, this is the first good omelet rice I've had probably in my entire life. And then connecting and talking about like the, we talked about the podcast. I talked about the podcast with the young man. You might be listening because the, the first time I went there, the, the gentleman I spoke to is, you know, in his early twenties, he's telling me he just moved by coastal and he also didn't know anybody and like he's nervous about talking to people because people communicate differently and i'm like i'm from minnesota but just those those like splenda packets yeah. or sugar packets of conversation and we always yeah. say like single serving friends i love when i'm traveling alone and i sit somewhere beside somebody and oftentimes they're alone sometimes they're in groups of people as well but not being afraid to connect with somebody just because they're having, you know, a conversation with someone else, knowing, you know, having the mm. the social acuity to be able to understand if it's okay to interject. Yeah, it's I, tricky. I love, but I love, I, I think I'm, I think I'm pretty good at it. And like when it happens, it makes me feel so good. It's like that same thing. You walk away and you kind of shimmy your shoulders. It's like the videos you see on Instagram of like a little kid who spots his mom in the crowd at his play and just like shakes his shoulders yeah. and he's super happy. Those things, those experiences energize me. And that's what's the human element of traveling is. And anything we do is as important as the actual experience. And Kwame and I talk about it a lot yeah. on the program and in life that a 10 out of 10 meal, you can call it a, the meal itself, the food elements you can call 10 out of 10, but the the dining experience can't be a 10 out of 10 without the human element. Correct. So if you want to call it a 12 yeah. out of 10 because the food was 10 out of 10 and the human element added two points, or if you want to say that the food was 7 out of 10, or the food was 10 out of 10, but the scale is 10 because the human experience makes things taste better, smell better, look better. Mm. All of your senses are accentuated by connecting with other human beings and it hurts my soul to know that there probably are people on this earth that don't want it right. i don't want to say don't need it i'll never say don't need it it's people who don't want to connect with other people in that way and that really fucking hurts my soul because they don't understand the absence of that joy yeah and to me it's similar to i'm gonna I'm going to shut and fray this motherfucker, but it's like when people say they don't like mushrooms. I hate for them to find out way later in life how great mushrooms a are. A great mushroom. And then I'm like, you could have been enjoying them all this time. You could have this this whole time. <laughs> no, that, I, that's absolutely right. And honestly, like, I, I think, I think Charles, I might mirror you in, I, I will say that my first desire is to blend in. I, I will learn enough of a mm -hmm. language everywhere I travel that I just want somebody <laughs> to respond in their language. Where they're like, oh, yeah. this guy is clearly fluent, therefore. That's a weird personal pride thing. But also, I want to make sure that I'm doing the work when I'm traveling elsewhere. Yeah. That I'm trying to yeah. connect with them on their plane. As closing, the, to, closing that gap. Yeah, yeah. A little bit. Now, there are plenty of times where, A, the, the like, if I'm going to multiple countries, just the ramp is so steep of trying to figure out how to yeah. then further learn conversational. So then it always shifts immediately to, I want to blend in enough that you'll speak back to me. But then my next modus operandi is I want to either give you a laugh or give you some sort of joy. And I yeah. think that that's, 
also a little bit self-serving in that whenever I can, because we all laugh, right? Yeah. We all have yeah. different words. We all have different customs. We all have different shit, but humans laugh. And if yeah. you can get a laugh to me, that's an, that's an absolutely equal across the board. We all make a dumb face. We all make a weird sound. Like we have different laughs. But all laughs are goofy as shit. I like shit. to do those things at the same time. Actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, if it's possible to do them at the same time. <laughs> don't face a dumb sound at the same time. Yeah. I, what I referred to earlier being at a, a, a wedding in Bogota, Colombia, I realized when I got there that somehow I had brought only one belt and it didn't match the suit that I was wearing. And after seeing <laughs> one day of what humans look like in Bogota, I cannot wear <laughs> mismatching shoes yeah. and belt. So I go to the mall. Honey, I got to fly home yep. real quick. Because as you pointed out, uh, in Kenya and in Bogota, Colombia, there are still shopping malls. And I walked in True. and I found this leatherworking place that was like all like belts and shoes and vests. <laughs> and I walked Vest. in and I'm looking like, again, at a populace that size wise to me is similar to the ratio of Japanese citizens to Godzilla. And I'm like, I don't know. Oh, if they I, have your size. I don't know in centimeters what my size is. So, so, so. You're about to have to do what my dad used to do when we were kids, and he would heat up a fucking needle on the stove, yep. and he would stab it into I'm his belt. I'm going to poke I was honest. No, no bullshit, Charles. I was trying to figure out if I had anything at the hotel room that I could use you to punch a new, a new belt loop. And I walk in, and it's these two, I would say, like, do you guys remember the British show Abfab from like the eighties? Yeah. Okay, imagine if the two women in Abfab, the two main characters, were Colombian women. That is who I walked into. The I mean, I'm talking like <laughs> giant poofy shoulders and like the biggest hair you've ever seen, caked in makeup, like enough makeup to make a drag queen blush. And <laughs> and and I walk in and I was like, I need a belt. And thankfully, I had looked up the word for belt. Yeah. And so they were like, for what? As they're looking at my outfit, and I'm like, I'm going to a wedding, and my shoes. And so like I'm like, basically I'm like I go to scan. I, I what the translation was was I go to wedding, shoes brown, belt <laughs> black, no good. Also. I'm fat. And they were so sweet because they were trying to come up with all these different words for just being like very large and very broad. And I'm like, no, soy gordo. Está bien. Don't even stop. Like, where, where is the belt? And they straight up couldn't stop laughing. And they kept saying, sorry. And I'm like, no, I'm laughing too. Let's do this. And collectively, we found the three belts in the entire store that were big enough for me. And one of them, I just realized as I felt down, I am wearing right now. Oh, and wait, I did you buy all three? No, I just bought one. Okay. But I am, you said one of them. Yeah. I was like, how many belts did they sell you? But when, when, we, were, when, when we were checking out and I ran my credit card, they were both still laughing hysterically. And on the way out, they both stopped me and just said, thank you for this. And I want, I want oh, to pretend that it was about thank you for the transaction. For sure. It was thank you mm -hmm. for being a self-effacing, like, hey, I understand that my body frame and your clothes sizes probably don't overlap <laughs> a lot. What can we do to make this work? And they cared enough that they actually had me put the belt on just to make sure that it would fit. And then, of course, like, oh, muy guapo. Like, hey, you're looking good. I'm like, hey, yeah. I mean, thank you so much. But also, 
I 100% had to do that. And I think owning that as opposed yeah. to like walking in and like slamming my fist on and be like, where's a belt? Like, <laughs> give me a just, belt. Yeah, like that's, that's it. And I do that at like target in my neighborhood. You have a tarantula belt buckle. I do not, but Damn I could. <laughs> yeah. It's well, also <laughs> the giant belt buckle, giant belly combo is not great. Uh, you have to have one or the other. You can't have both because all you end up with is a weird imprint of shit on the underside of your stomach. Yeah, yeah. I have four dots on the underside of my belly, and that's the only thing anyone else saw. What is this in Braille? You guys, I I I hate to go. I hate no. to run, but I, I need to get myself some dinner. Yeah, we got to do this. So we did it. We really... We're, we're celebrating the end of it. Uh, what I would say right now is what, if people want to follow you, if they want to hear yeah. your story, where would you sure. prefer they go right now? Um, I would say, I would say go to Instagram, uh -huh. uh, Facebook, Patreon, YouTube. And there's a, there's a whole wealth of, um, and I believe it's William J. McCarthy. Is that correct? Is that William J. McCarthy is my Instagram. Yep. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's my, uh, my, my, my Addy there. And yeah, just, you know, YouTube, I've got my own like YouTube channel. Also my Patreons where I put all my, um, you could join for even a dollar a month, like, uh, but just all my stories, my travel stuff, my photography, my little movies that I make, my songs, my concerts, all that kind of stuff. Can confirm it's awesome to be a fan and to be a, a Patreon follower. You're good dude, Ben. Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't ask you this beforehand and I, I feel weird putting you on the spot, but we have, um, we have a local music producer that made an incredible theme song for us. And usually we okay. do the intro and outro from him. Mm -hmm. Um, if I was maybe going to drop the outro for this, is yeah. there a song that you would like me to put on for somebody to have maybe a better handle oh, uh, on you I'm as an artist? That. And we can do that as yeah. the outro and we'll play it in full. Yes, please. Yeah. For, for all sure. of our listeners I mean, around the world. You might be able to uh, just go over to YouTube and just type in William McCarthy. Um, I guess more the question is, is there a song like in particular you want like me to... Tunes? Yeah, like, I mean, I I have, as a Patreon follower and yeah, a we super can close, fan... We can close the show have, with one of your songs. I think I have, like, everything you've ever put out. So. Yeah, man. I think anything from the Wild Eyes stuff. Perfect. Right. Okay. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. I think here... You know what? I, I, let, me, let me have a look really yeah. quick. I think yes. it is, that's cool, man. That's um, very no, please do, because yeah. then you can call it out, too, if you yeah. find a track. Do you have a track like. in the interim? Yeah, let um, me see. If um, anybody's really interested in, yeah. in the story of Augustine slash Billy's full story, if you go on to Amazon or Prime, Prime Video, uh, yeah. there's an incredible documentary called Rise, colon, Story of the Augustines. Story of Augustine's. Uh, rise, rise the story of Augustine. Yeah. And uh, it, it is one of the, I, I will say as a giant music fan and as a film fan and filmmaker, it is one of my favorite music biopics because it, great. it talks about yeah. the message and the adventure. We watch it together yeah. at your house. Mm -hmm. Like that was, how long ago was that? That was Years. before the podcast. That was before the podcast for sure. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I, I guess at the end of the day, it's just a reminder of the amount of wonderful art that is around. And uh, as an unabashed music fan, I will always say that every time you think you've heard everything, you haven't. And all you got to do is dig a little deeper. And then there's a whole nother layer of just incredible stuff. And uh, as I said earlier, 
it's an honor to have you as a friend, but I also don't mind saying in the same breath that I'm just a massive fan of, of you as a musician, Billy, because wow. you've talked a lot and sang a lot and sweated a lot of things that I needed to get out of me that I wasn't able to at the time. And I will never be able to thank you uh, enough for that. That is compassionate of you, Ben, fellow human being. <laughs> yes. I appreciate you acknowledging that, and I know that you would do the same for somebody. Absolutely. And it's, it's, nice, it's nice to know that what come, comes out of us, like when we kind of get the cathartic stuff getting out, that it has some value that it, that it, that it could be used for to try to – or maybe someone else – it improves a little bit, something yep. for him. That that's the best scenario, honestly. All I could have ever hoped for. Hell yeah! Uh, any idea on what song you want us to tack on? Yeah, uh, how about again? Bloodline? That's Let's nice. Go. I went down. I filmed that in Columbia. The yes. video for it, cool. and uh, that's kind of piggybacking on your Columbia. Yes, Columbia. Perfect. Um, Hell yeah! Big so, belt. Well, yes, with my 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 very long big belt. Uh, we will. <laughs> Without well, a tarantula belt buckle. Yeah, sans tarantula belt buckle. Sans Seven. Tarantula. tarantula, not tarantula. Tarantula. <laughs> uh, Very different word. I will, um, I will we'll, we'll put that on at the end of, of the episode, cool. and then uh, we'll also just share share that video. Yes. I really appreciate it. Hey, Charles, it was a pleasure to meet you, man. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you for joining us. It was an, it was an honor. This, this was, was a great conversation. This was yeah, absolutely amazing. Uh, uh, I wish you all the best in, in Geneva and Billy. Uh, I'll holler at you later offline about uh, when we're going to go live with this. And yeah. uh, yes. honestly, uh, keep doing what you're doing. Keep exploring the world. And let's find the Thanks, next country buddy. that you and I are going to cross over in. Yeah, I, I really I look forward to a Minneapolis hang, gentlemen. Yes, please. Some drinks. Oh yeah. All right. Well, uh, you take care, sir, and uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah. All the best, guys. <laughs> Love I'm you, Billy. It. Take care of yourself. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Bye, dude.
It's a bandage and I 